Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker Smallman and Danny Mac on a Friday in St. Louis. It's 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle. How you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. Good morning. Good morning to you and Daniel. How you doing? Y- yes, sir. I'm doing well. How about you guys? Everything's good. Awesome. I, uh, I kind of wish that the Cardinals would have been as dominant in their playoff game as the Astros and Rays were yesterday in their playoff games because they were dominant. How about our boy uh, Randy Rosarena just doing Randy Rosarena things? Here he comes again. We, yeah, we can, here we go again. We can we can do that. Let's start though with the Astros, who dominated Tony Larusa's White Sox. The final there was six to one. Lance McCullers was fantastic, and here's a team that had Cole and Verlander a couple of years ago when they won the World Series, and now they've been able to turn things over. New GM, new manager. New players, but same results. They wound up with a home game in the American League playoffs. They send McCullers to the mound. He gives them six and two-thirds scoreless innings. And then Maton and Graveman, who they made a great deal for during the season from Seattle. And Presley come on to finish it out. And not a great performance for Lance Lynn. Three and two-thirds, five runs, six hits. He struck out four and walked a couple. And those two walks were painful for White Sox fans and Lance Lynn and Houston wins it by a score of 6-1. to one. So I, I was watching and flipping around during the games last night the, the, the common theme that I had in those games and it does pertain to watching the Cardinals the night before, walks. Walks mm-hmm. just kill you. And Lance McCullers, who was a guy that really wanted to make that game one start and walk the world during the regular season, what's he do last night? Doesn't walk anybody. And he was awesome. And what does Lance Lynn do? He walks a couple. And I'm watching the the Boston game, and there's a couple of walks in that game that come back to haunt them. And then what is the the flip side of that? The other team, they don't walk anybody. It's just, you know, baseball, as much as we want to go through the analytics and you got to do this and you got to do that, one of the things you have to do is not walk anybody. And if you don't walk Mm -hmm. people, you usually win. And I should say this, too. The Houston lineup is still really good. It is. I mean, I think we've all forgotten that they still have Altuve and Bregman and Brantley and Alvarez and Gurriel and and Correa. And no trash cans, apparently. And no trash cans and still can hit. So that's a good team. And somebody uh, should probably pick them to win to the American League. And maybe I will. And I'm just saying that. Are we predict? Is that no, an we're not. official I'm prediction? I'm going with Tampa okay. Bay. I still love Tampa Bay. Oh yeah, they're great. Uh, but to your point about the Astros, watching that game yesterday, you're like, really? The because of the pandemic and the Astros didn't really have to do their full shame tour the way that they were going to. The fact that even without the trash cans or the buzzers and even with the booing in a lot of places, they're still in this position where they're likely uh, going to beat the White Sox in advance. It's just frustrating, I think, for baseball fans to think that they're still this good. They're really good. Really good. And then in the next game, Shane McClanahan, he of 123 career innings, just shut down a good Boston lineup. And Dan mentioned our guy, Randy, who was leading off for Tampa, bottom of the first inning. And he takes a walk and he scores right away. Cracks a base 
Base hit into center field. Over to cut it off, Hernandez. Franco thinking two out of the box. A juggle from Hernandez will send the Rosarena home. Raise one, Red Sox nothing, just like that. Randy never slowed down from first base. No. He's a, he's a great athlete, uh, and I don't know if you're going to play more clips here. We but are. All right, we'll go ahead, and then we'll talk about okay. it. Go How on. about leading off the bottom of the fifth against Nick Pavetta? 3-2. High drive, way back, he'll admire it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Long gone. But all he is is a slugger, right? Like, he, he gets to third base in the bottom of the seventh, and, and really all he can do is hit the ball far. Maybe he can run now and then, but his, his skill, his baseball savvy, well... There goes Rosarena! He steals home in October! First guy ever to hit a home run and steal home in a playoff game. And afterwards, his manager, Kevin Cash, as you might expect glowing over a Rosarena's performance. I mean, the home run certainly felt that way. Uh, the steal of home, that was you know one of the cooler things I've seen on a baseball field. Um, he looks special player. He certainly gets up for the moment. He's proven that uh, day in and day out, and definitely when it's postseason time. Wow. Wow, indeed. So yesterday, even though the Cardinals lost and their season was over, we were talking about some things that we felt good about heading into 2022. And one of the things we discussed was that the outfield seemingly can play and that we feel pretty good about the mm-hmm. outfield. And then what happens one day after the Cardinals season ends, Randy Rosarena puts on a show nationally to just remind us of his presence again. Yeah. As soon as you're feeling good about the outfield, you're like, oh, yeah, but remember Randy Rosarena? He's yeah. a... He's unbelievable. Yeah. He's a really talented player. And my hope is that just for the sake of not being <laughs> hammered by Cardinal Nation, I hope that Matthew Libertor winds up being representative, yeah. if not great, because he's unfortunately going to take the heat for Randy Rosarena being great if he isn't. I, I think he does. And um, and he shouldn't. You know, he's just part of the the puzzle right mm-hmm. he was just the, the piece that uh, was the other side of the trade um i will say this and i mentioned it to you guys yesterday liberator makes the jump from a ball to triple a doesn't even have a minor league season and it should be it should be pointed out his last 10 starts he really started to figure it out at the minor league level at AAA. That is so hard to do, to make the, the jump to basically skip a couple levels and then be inserted into a rotation and not have a season before. It was truncated. Now, he was part of the, uh, the satellite camp, but still, to be able to do that, that's not an easy thing to do. And his final 10 starts, he was giving the Memphis Redbirds seven innings and striking out eight to 10, and the walks were down. So he was much better uh, finishing up, and we'll see uh, how he fares going forward. And I would think he's going to have a shot to uh, crack the team come spring yeah. next year. Meanwhile, for Arozarena, he, with three-plus home runs in the Division Series, the Championship Series, and the World Series, uh, has tied the Major League record in his second postseason for most postseason series with three-plus home runs in an entire career with three, joining Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Carlos Beltran, and Jose Altuve, and he joins Jim Tomey, Beltran, and Ruth as Major League players with 11-plus home runs in a 20-game span in the postseason. Well, I think the thing, too, is it's one game, but it does remind you. Here's the thing that I think of is that 
the Cardinals have done a really good job of finding talent yep. and developing it, and it's just a matter of recognizing who you want to keep. You know, I remember this time last year, we're all sitting there going, man, that Luke Voigt deal, terrible. Well, mm-hmm. you may have gotten a closer out of it. Well, you did by the end of the year, and Gallegos is pretty darn good. There's just... They're getting the talent there, and I trust that they're going to do that. Now it's a matter of just making the right decision on who you want to keep, who you want to say that we're going to build around this guy. And it would be interesting. Let's just say that Arena was still here. Arena was still here. So where, how would you have, especially going into next season with the, uh, the DH, and you figured out, let's just say you figured out that the three outfielders can play that you have. Where do you go with those four guys? That would be really fun. I mean, that's a great problem to have. Right. And to his credit, last year after the playoffs, when Mo held his end-of-season press conference and referenced to Rosarena, he said, we have to know our prospects better than other teams do. That's right. That was a charge that he put into his organization, and they... That he, he owned it, but it's not just John Mozeliak going and watching Randy Rosarena every day in the minors. He's got a staff that does that, mm-hmm. and somebody on a staff, and we talked about this last year, it's, it's old news, but we, when you have people that you trust in the system, somebody's got to say, they've got to pound the table and say, no, you can't trade this guy. Sure. <laughs> well, I, I would say this, Gary LaRock, who runs the Cardinal Minor League system, and there's been other teams that have said, hey, maybe we should go get this guy and have him run our team, our major league mm-hmm. club. He's really good at what he does. He's been there a long time, and um, the Cardinals minor leagues this year took it on the chin. It was not yeah. a good year for wins and losses. Now, the minor leagues are not about wins and losses. It's about developing players, and if you look at the average age of their teams, almost at every level, they were like the youngest team in those in those leagues. So they did get experience, so that's good. I would assume that they're going to be better next year with wins and losses. But just follow how they do their drafts. So what did they do this year? It was a lot of pitching. So they went with pitching, understanding that there was, there's a drop in the pitching after you see Matthew Liberator. And they've had a lot of guys graduate to the major leagues. So what did they do a few years ago? They went and got hitters. And they've got hitters coming. You've got mm-hmm. Nolan Gorman coming. So where does he fit? You're going to have uh, the young man. Uh, Walker. Jordan yeah, Walker. Jordan Walker coming. So it, it, and who did they pick this year with their and it happened right at the time when the team wasn't playing well. Who they get the top guy that throws strikes at the college level. And that's all he did was throw strikes and get people out. So just kind of follow the, you know, watch the tea leaves fall and you say, OK, well, that's where they're going to go. And that's where, how they're going to develop. And I do think that they've done a really good job of developing players. It's just a matter of who you want to keep. The Blues will play the Blue Jackets tonight here on 101 ESPN. The pregame coming your way at 6 o'clock for the Blues' final preseason game. And last night, Thursday night football, Geno Smith, after Russell Wilson suffered a finger injury, Geno Smith came on and led a 98-yard drive for the Seattle Seahawks. Then he got the ball at the end of the game with a chance to win it and threw an interception. So Mm. Seahawks lost. But still an impressive drive. It was an impressive drive. That might be the best of his career. Yeah. Maybe. I was locked in, I but I, I just I'm overcome with emotion. I can't even talk about it. <laughs> I, I can tell, Dad. I can tell. And uh, congratulations game, to wow. the USA yes. men's soccer team as well. They come away with a winner and a friendly. I think more sports need friendlies, and they come away with a, a friendly victory last Why night. Why do you think more sports need friendlies? Yeah. I'm just curious. 
Um, because I think that there's just too much consternation, mm. too much anger, too much angst in sports. So I think things need to be friendly. Is that right? Yeah. So, so give me. They, a, they beat Jamaica. What what sport do you want to start having friendlies in, outside of soccer? I would say a football friendly would be nice. So you, you want to go like Team USA in the only country that plays this style of football against South Africa, or what, what do you want to do? South Africa, Australia. Yeah, I'm good with that. Mexico, Iraq. <laughs> really, I'm good. Good with that. Yeah. Could you imagine uh, taking the top NFL guys, trying to teach them no. for like a week Australian rules football, and say, "All right, guys, go for it." <laughs> That'd be fun. It would be, there'd be a lot of uh, blood. Yeah. Be and some hard hitting. But it's a friendly, so. Well, a friendly, though, is just a term. They're going to get after it. Mm-hmm. You know? True. True. They're going to get after it. And uh, one of the things, I don't know if you guys were able to tune in, it was on ESPN last night, but uh, they kept talking about how peppy the team is. <laughs> uh, no, Randy, that's Ricardo Pepe, the guy who scored. It's a player. Oh, never mind. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Do you have uh, in your little sounder something that does a bad old old man joke? Uh, no. Uh, you need to come up with one. Why? Because that's a bad old man uh, joke. We've got no uh, Randy old uh, bad dad joke I'm sounder I'm not saying somewhere. you're an old man. I'm just saying there's, there's a dad joke sounder somewhere. Yeah. You what need to come up with that. Thanks for the dad joke, character. Yeah. <laughs> you need to do that. Maybe somebody could do a mic drop and we'll put it in there. We'll get to that. All right. Thanks for the dad joke, character. Oh, we already have it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Why don't you put it on your little thing over there? We will do that, Dan. That machine. All right. So we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Uh, About, oh, it was after the All-Star break when the Cardinals were scuffling. And we gave you the opportunity to weigh in with an answer to this question. If Bill DeWitt gave you one move to make, what would it be? Now that the Cardinals season is over and the Cardinals did experience a 17-game winning streak and went to the playoffs. And you know, after 162 games and a wildcard game, what the Cardinals are. Are, Bill DeWitt's going to give you one move this mm. offseason. You get one move this offseason. You get to be John Mosellock and make a move, but only one. What is it? You can mic drop us with the 101 ESPN app, or you can text us 65780. I'm sure you're, you've thought of it. We'll give you our ideas next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You get one move to make. You're Bill DeWitt. Uh, actually, you're not Bill DeWitt. You're Mo and Gersh and the Cardinal front office. And Bill DeWitt Jr. is giving you one move to make. The real front office gets to make the rest of the moves. So if you're going to make one move and it doesn't include any limitations on finances, doesn't include, include any limitations on what you have to give up to get said person, although you have to be realistic about it. What is the move that you're going to make, Michelle? So you're telling me the checkbook is open. Checkbook is open, yes. Okay, well, I think after assessing my team and assessing the market, I would certainly be intrigued by the number of shortstops that might be available. There's a lot of names out there. Corey Seager, Javi Baez, uh, Carlos Correa, Marcus Simeon. But I think I would want to make a move 
on the shortstop market that wouldn't be one big move and then we're done. I think I would want to bring in someone that I think is going to upgrade from Paul DeYoung, who hit 197 this year, even though Edmundo Sosa came in and certainly was a spark plug and was very exciting and productive for the Cardinals down the stretch. I think I still would want to go out and make an investment at that position. And I still think that I would be very intrigued by Trevor Story, who dealt with an elbow injury and that impacted a lot of his numbers. We know that he's tight with Nolan Arenado. I think that his numbers this year, just like Arenado's numbers the year before, aren't really indicative of the type of player he is. And that I might be able to get an upgrade at that position and still not break the bank. I like that thought. Yeah, I I think you nailed it. Um, If it's, I think my dream scenario would be because in the realistic move that I would like to see them would also maybe be my dream move, and that's Max Scherzer. Mm -hmm. So if I could just break the bank and say, okay, I get anybody I want, and I don't, the, the checkbook is open. Um, I think Max Scherzer, because I do think if I was running this, even as looking at it as a realistic thing with a budget, uh, I'm still going to try to find ways to improve my pitching. Um, I do think, though, that they need to lengthen their lineup somehow, and maybe that comes from the shortstop position. That's probably the direction I would go. I like my outfielders, love my corner infielders, love my second baseman. I got my catcher, so where am I looking? If I'm going to lengthen the lineup, it's at shortstop. And out of that group, I I think I'm starting to lean toward Carlos Correa, more so than even some of the others. I'm a big fan of Corey Seager. Mm -hmm. I I really like him. I think he's a tremendous player. Um, And really, I can't go wrong with any of those guys that you just mentioned. I really can't. I I think I'd be really good with any of them. But it's kind of like saying, you know, do you want one or do you want one A? True. And and it's in the eye of the beholder because I think some people will say, well, I'd rather have Corey Seager because he's a Mm left-handed bat. And I understand that. And if I go get Correa, I'm I'm talking about a former number one overall pick, a great player. Um, I I could make the case for him. I I can make the case for Marcus Simeon, who just hit 43 home runs or whatever it was. Um, So I I probably, in my dream scenario, would go Scherzer because I want to be loaded up with pitching. But I know that in the back of my mind, I do have to lengthen my lineup. Mm -hmm. And then I look at the shortstop position. One thing about Correa... Being a native of Puerto Rico, it's my understanding that he really has a great deal of admiration, as all young Puerto Rican players do, for Yachty and would love to play with Yachty or Molina. Unfortunately, he's a Boris guy, and this is only the second time he's ever played a full season. And you have to believe that Boris and Correa are going to take advantage of that and get the most money. But you're allowed to do what you want. You are, you've got the move, so if, if Correa is your guy, that's it. If I am the Cardinals... And I get the one move. I'm going to offer Max Scherzer the big money, too. Because I question, and I shouldn't, but I do, I question a 40-year-old number one starting pitcher. I do. I question. Well, hold on, then. You question a 38-year-old? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to win next year with Yadi and Wayno here. Okay. So I'm just looking at the, the, the group. I got to question Flaherty because he was hurt this year. I've got to question... Uh, I guess my third starter is going to be Reyes. Well, I'm going to have Michaelis. I'm going to question him. I'm going to question Reyes. Hudson. Hudson, coming off the Tommy John. So those are my five right now. And 
you're going to have to spend big money. Now, Jim Bowden said last week on BKM Ferrario that he believes that Max Scherzer is going to become the first $50 million a year player Ooh. in baseball history. But you could go either 2 and 90 or 3 and 100 for because your cash layout is going to be pretty much the same for Max Scherzer. And so that's what I would do. I would get my front of the rotation guy who's never been hurt and it has nothing to do with him bringing him home. It has everything to do with the fact that he's the best pitcher, not only on the market, but maybe the best pitcher in baseball. And if I can get that guy to front that rotation, I feel great about my chances to win next year. Sure makes it nice, though, that he's a St. Louis native. Oh, it's, a, it's a great story, yeah. obviously. It adds to it. Um, Man, $50 million for him. I guess we have to wait till the CBA plays out and how comfortable teams are with their finances and, and going forward. But, man, $50 million for a 37-year-old pitcher with a lot of mileage, That's yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, that sounds like a yeah. Dodger guy to me. Yeah, it, it really does. And if you're the Cardinals and you go 40, because there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract, and I would think that you're at least going to get one great year out of them. And then if the back end of it is bad, if you get uh, have one bad year but you win the World Series, it doesn't matter how much you spend if you win the World Series. It's worth it. I would agree. I, oh, I, if sure. you knew going in that you're going to win, now no one knows. Right. Anything can happen. But uh, if you told me, hey, I, I, you're going to have to overpay on this guy, this guy, this guy, but you're going to win the World Series, sign me up. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think this is such an interesting exercise because of the way we feel the Cardinals are positioned heading into 2022. I think all of us are looking at this as a playoff team. And so to think of what can we really add to push them over the mm-hmm. line to go out and win a World Series, if you are going to go out and get a Max Scherzer, I think that this team has the foundation to really be in that position. I, I really believe that if you ask me right now, and said, okay, who do you like going into next year in the National League Central? Because that's how I want to look at it. Mm-hmm. I want I don't want the one-game playoff. Right. I want to win the division. Uh, even with the Brewers pitching, I like the Cardinals Be, by how they finished up. I, I think there's a confidence level going in. I think you learn more about your team. The fact that you have Hudson coming back, you got Michael is healthy. It's a different team. Um, and the Brewers, I think it's going to be really fascinating what they do. They're going to be saddled right now by the Yelich contract. Yes, I was just going to say that. And and Hader is coming up for arbitration. So how much money goes around for a small market team? And it's no disrespect to Christian Yelich, but he's a shell of himself because yep. of injuries. And so they've given him that long-term massive deal that starts kicking in next year with a lot of money. Um, how do you spread it around? And, and can they keep the band together, so to speak? How do you not love their pitching? It's great, and it may carry them through the postseason and maybe to a World Series title, but it'll be interesting how they reconfigure, if they have to, their their uh, their payroll and their and their roster for next season. And those guys are coming up on arbitration, too. Burns, Peralta, <laughs> Woodruff, all coming up on arbitration. Now, they have a young, that young lefty, um, Randy, who gave up uh, Ashby's, uh, Al- Andy Ashby's uh, nephew who pitched, yeah. the lefty. He's really good. By the way, mark it down right now. If you marked it down, mark it down. Okay. Marking it down. October the 8th. 8th, Danny Mack said. Yeah. Got it. He's going to be awesome, by the way, I think. He's going to be really good for Milwaukee. And they're using him out of the bullpen like they did with all those other guys, and he'll graduate to the rotation. He'll be good. But I I do think it's going to be interesting going forward. So I, I think the general crux of this is that if you're the Cardinals, get out of the one-game playoff. And, I, and by the way, this may be the last one we ever see. 
because mm-hmm. of the CBA, and they're going to expand it, but win the division. So how am I going to win the division? We're going to get to your input throughout the course of the morning. So we want your mic drops on 101 ESPN. We want your texts. And by the way, later in the hour, take it or leave it. But coming up next, Greg Amsinger was playing golf yesterday, couldn't join us. Oh. So our buddy from MLB Network, the native St. Louisan, we're going to ask him why he's not going to be at the, uh, the Lindenwood meeting today. We'll start off with that. We'll embarrass him next what? on 101 what? ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The great Greg Amzinger, product of Lindenwood University and uh, the St. Louis metro area, joining Character Smallman and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Greg, it's always great to talk to you, and I have uh, two questions before we talk ball. First is, how'd you hit him yesterday? I played well. You know, with three holes to go, I was tied with Dan Plesak, and he's a four handicap. Yeah, and then someone pointed that out to me, and I went double bogey, double bogey, triple bogey to end the round. Oh, man. See, they get in your head. Well, first off, I'm mental to begin with, and then you give me a false sense of confidence, and then I just drive off a cliff. And that's literally what I did. I I, I was having fun, enjoying my time. Cliff Floyd was in our group. We were having a blast. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, I was like, I have a chance to beat Dan Plesak, and I got serious. And if I try, I'm terrible in everything in life. If I try, I'm terrible. (laughs) That's a that's a great approach to have, though. <laughs> yeah, I was always the kid in the back of the classroom goofing off, and I would get a good grade on the test, and I really didn't do a lot of work. But if I studied, I'd get a C. I don't know why I'm that way, Randy. I don't know. I'm backwards. I'm also left-handed, so that also plays into it. I, I am also left-handed, although, as you know, I don't play golf left-handed. But I was in the back of a classroom goofing yeah. off. Now, mm. I, I didn't... Wait, wait, real the... quick, real quick, real quick. I know for a fact, because legend has it, that we're not the only ones that goofed off in the back of classrooms. The great Dan McLaughlin was also very well-known at Lindenwood. Really? Goofing off in the back of classrooms. Yes, that's what the legend... Legend has it. That was his M.O. Really? This is the first time I've heard of this truth. <laughs> it's the truth, though. <laughs> truth. See, there we go. The first okay. time this has been public, Greg. Greg, that was your oh, problem. Let me, let me When Dan McLaughlin was in class, That's he goofed tr- off in the back of the classroom. <laughs> well, there's a little truth to that. However, I will say this. I will say this. I was, as I always, if I'm asked to go speak, um, at a school, I will say this. Look, what we do for a living is not going to be found in a book. So I was probably behind a microphone or producing and editing and learning how to do oh, my yeah. craft, Greg. Good, so good. technically, yeah, yeah, I was tr- I was really working hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because because of all the, the legend of Dan McLaughlin and one of my idols, I oh, behave the way I behave. So you... You are responsible for my 2.6 GPA at Lindenwood, Dan. You solely are responsible. God, that makes me feel great. I graduated with a 3.0. That <laughs> makes me feel okay. awesome. All right. I'm not shocked. The other thing, speaking of Lindenwood. And by the way, I learned from Randy yeah. who got a 1.8 his junior year, so yeah. whatever. But, but that was high school. That <laughs> yeah, was high all school. right. Uh, <laughs> I, I've got the transcript to prove it. Greg, the president of our alma mater, we're on the, the president's council, but for parents that are having kids that are going to school, John Porter is doing a really good job of leading the charge at Lindenwood. 
No doubt. And while we goof off about the way we behaved at Lindenwood, let's be honest, the three of us would not get accepted into Lindenwood today. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is how they've greatly improved things at Lindenwood University. It's a completely different environment. It's so cool. I've enjoyed being part of the President's Council. John Porter is the right guy right now for where this school is going. They want a national approach, but they're working from the inside out, uh, so they care about making St. Charles a college town, which is going to happen. You're going to see Lindenwood really just take over the region uh, as they start to expand, and it's really exciting to be a part of it. I know, Randy, uh, we've talked a lot about it. Lindenwood's going to be, it already is a special place to us, but I think you're going to find that from coast to coast, it's going to be a school that people know about, and uh, I'm excited. I, I think the future is extremely bright for all our alma mater. Uh, you won't see a lot of Greg Am singers and Randy characters and Dan McLaughlin's walking around because you have people <laughs> that actually care about their GPA and learning, yes. which is a good thing. Well, Greg, there's a lot to unpack with the Cardinals-Dodgers game earlier this week. We've been talking about it. All day today, yesterday, it's just a lot to get to. But let's start with the end of the game and Alex Reyes. What did you make of Mike Schultz's decision to bring in Alex Reyes in the ninth? Uh, I mean, you know, I don't think it was the right call. I mean, his last, his first 36 appearances, he had an ERA under one. He's one of the best relievers in baseball. Last 34, ERA over six. You know, playoff baseball is you have to use your hot hand. Remember Edward Mahika? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was an all-star closer for the Cardinals, uh, one of the best relievers in baseball. Then here comes October. We don't want him in the in the game in a pressure situation. Mike Messini knew that. You go with your hot hand. And if you're going to use Alex Reyes, you got to go low leverage. I know in a tied game, there's no such thing. So guess what? He's not getting in the game. You've got to use your best stuff. And Jack Flaherty not appearing in the game uh, reminded me of my good friend Buck Showalter. He's calling our playoff game today with Bob Costas and Jim Cott in uh, Houston, not using Zach Britton uh, in 2017 wild card game with uh, Eddie Encarnacion walking it off with a, a game winner homer, and and there was a Baldo Menez on the mound instead of Zach Britton, who was the best reliever in baseball. I'm not saying Flaherty is the best reliever in baseball right now, but he was the best option back there if you're going to put him in the bullpen so it's unfortunate when you don't have your best stuff out there and you lose that is unfortunate i don't want this to all fall on alex reyes's shoulders i think it's unfair the kid threw four pitches he's got a bright future with the st louis cardinals at the end of the day i was starting to hyperventilate because i really thought albert Pujols was going to walk it off and that would have been a worst case scenario if you ask me that would have been the worst but yeah it's too bad it really is and mike shield you know listen man it's, it's hard to ace this with you know um, three hundred thousand managers that live in st louis that know that they could do it better than him. <laughs> and, and he's going to go through a lot of criticism. That's what he's dealing with right now. But from my own personal perspective, Jack Flaherty has to be in that game. You know, I, I'm going to agree and disagree with you. I'm going to agree that you don't want to lose that game like Buck Showalter. And I think that was in 16 in Toronto when he gave up that home run, yeah. uh, Ubaldo Jimenez. So I agree that I, I want to see... I, if I'm going down, I'm going down with my best in a winner-take-all. So I'm with you there. I really wanted to see Henesis Cabrera. So I thought if they got to um, the extra innings, you may have seen Hudson, maybe Flaherty for an inning. I And I understand where Mike was going with this, because if Henesis Cabrera is right and rested, He's, I mean, Greg, you know, you watch all these games. He's flat out nasty and he's swing and miss and he's going to strike you out. Um, But I think what Mike was thinking, it's a tight game late and with a three batter minimum, if he's not around the plate, 
you know, all of a sudden I've got two runners on and he's walked a couple and things are spiraling, spiraling out of control to where if he goes McFarland and can throw strikes, uh, then I can get out of the inning. And Alex Reyes comes in, I can get that one out. And his spot was due up fourth. And if I had to, I got to pinch hit. And then maybe it's Jack Flaherty. And I, if I'm going to start an inning, it's got to be Flaherty clean. I'm not bringing him in with a runner on. I, I just think there's a lot of moving parts, but I would have loved, to the greater point, I would have loved to have seen Hunnison Cabrera at some point in that game. It makes sense that Mike Schill wanted McFarlane, who's around the plate. He's a ground ball guy, although he, he didn't keep the ball on the ground with Pools. And Souza uh, got those guys out that he needed to get out. The issue is uh, being around the plate is important. And Hennessy Cabrera's had moments where he's been erratic. So I exactly. understand why McFarlane, McFarlane was a safer play for Mike Schill. But no one has been more erratic in the Cardinals bullpen. Matter of fact, in the National League among relievers than Alex Reyes in the second half of the regular season. So if you're going to put Alex Reyes in the game, we're thinking one better, okay. But if that's not a home run, what are the chances he walks Chris Taylor? And now you're out there to rot with Alex Reyes for the next two batters until they walk it off. Uh, you already got a guy on base. I, 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 to me, in a winner-take-all game, if 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 Wayno gets you through five, which he did, it eliminates Alex Reyes for me. Uh, I, you have too many other options in a game seven atmosphere, which is that, that's what it is. He doesn't appear in a game because of his inability to command his fastball. He cannot throw it for a strike consistently. So in a game like that, you can't put anyone on. That's why I did not feel good, even though the Astros were 5-0 and and forcing an ERA over 8 against Lance Lynn. I didn't like Lance McCullers in that game, one yesterday going in, because he had the fourth worst walk per nine in baseball. He's been very erratic. He kept the ball over the plate. His velocity wasn't at 98-99. He wasn't trying to overthrow. He was throwing strikes with his curveball. He didn't walk anyone. A guy that had been so erratic was focused on getting it over the plate, and that's why they dominated that game 1-6-1. I just think in a situation like that, Alex Reyes, he can, he can appear in game one and game two of a division series if you get there, but not in a game seven atmosphere. He just can't. Or with a runner on. Uh, if I'm going to yeah, bring him in, it's go. got to be a clean inning. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we'll Hey, Greg, what do you think this team needs to do to get over the top? Made it to the uh, wild card game this year. In 2022, what do the Cardinals need to do to become world champions? You're not going to see another class of shortstops like this in free agency. You're just not going to be able to pick and leverage negotiations against one other shortstop. And that's the other part of it. We're excited for the players, the Correas and the Baez and the Seegers and the Stories and all these guys, Marcus Simeon, uh, Chris Taylor. It's exciting for all these guys, but the reality is, in a negotiating uh, forum, a team can say, hey, Carlos, we love you, but if you really want eight years, Corey Seager's going to take seven. We'll just go with him. Like that, that is how this, this works. So you have an opportunity to get a star short up. And Edmundo Sosa, I think, has a bright future. He's a really good young player. But you saw in that wildcard game, there are, there are current moments where it just gets too big. The stage is too big for certain players. And he, he just didn't look comfortable. They had to get him out, put the young in there. I think it was the right move. I don't think Edmundo Sosa is a world championship shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals. Not when you've got an Arenado and a Goldschmidt. Look, I don't think the Cardinals, because of the money they've got invested, can go long-term and, and give a 10-year contract out to Carlos Craig because that's what he's going to want, okay? I don't think that's a possibility. But because of age, 
listen, Johnny Peralta's contract didn't exactly work out the way people wanted it to back in St. Louis, but he had some productive years. Uh, and because of his age when they signed him, it wasn't a long-term contract. You could have a similar situation for someone like Marcus Simeon. And Marcus Simeon with 45 home runs, would that translate the same to Bush Stadium? I don't think so. Do I think he's a 30-homer bat? Yeah. Do I think he can play shortstop still, even though they moved him to second base? The answer is yes. So I, there are options. Chris Taylor, I want to see if he can play shortstop every day. I think we're going to find that out. I'd be he intrigued. I think Cardinals have to take advantage of this free agent shortstop class and put the cherry on top of a world championship Sunday. Other than that, I love the rest of the team. I really do. I really love the rest of the team. Ford Frick Award winner Bob Costas, Jim Cott, Buck Showalter, and Tom Verducci will call MLB Network's telecast of ALDS Game 2 with the White Sox against the Astros this afternoon at 107 from Minute Maid Park. Greg Amzinger, Harold Reynolds, and Alex Avila will host pre- and post-game coverage for the game. And, man, Houston was impressive yesterday. You mentioned McCullers, but a lot of good things happening for Houston, even though we might not want them to win. you got to give them credit, right? Yeah, absolutely. And more importantly, my show starts at noon Eastern. Anything oh, before anything before 6 p.m. is a morning show for me. <laughs> so I'm currently standing in my closet right now, staring at my suits and my ties. You guys are part of the process here. Should I wear a cardinal red blazer on the show? No. What do you think? No, no, you no, think no. So? I love that idea. So do you I. don't need to turn into Ron Burgundy here. I think it's great. Wait, wait. So wait. Listen, does Tennessee vote? I'm not voting, but since there are three people voting in the in the studio right now, I'm out, you guys will decide. Am I wearing a Cardinal red blazer? Uh, yes or no? Yeah, you're a Cardinal Hall of Famer, Greg. All right, there you go, uh, Michelle. What about you, Greg? I think that with your skin tone and your hair color, that red will really pop on camera. <laughs> And will be a nod to us here in St. Louis. I love it. I vote yes. She would have been the only one to give you that kind of answer. Well, maybe, Randy. I would not have. More than anything, Greg, I'm just worried about your hairspray. Just make sure you got it going, babe. You got it, man. Sorry, Dan. You lose this. I'll be wearing a red blazer. I understand. Thanks a lot. You helped me dress. You impacted our show. Thank you, guys. (laughs) And we will be tuned in at... Noon St. Louis time? Is that right? No. No, it'll be 11. 11. 11. They're on the East Coast, Randy, and that's noon. Okay, and that means it. we're an hour behind. Okay. So it's a two-hour pregame is what you're telling us. <laughs> right. That's good. Yes, yes, yes. You're the yes. best. All right, thanks, Greg. All right, guys. See you guys. See you See later. You. Take care. Greg Amsinger, MLB Network, joining us on 101 ESPN. I can't believe you voted no, Dan. Well, I, I'm still in the morning stages and uh, phase of uh, of the loss. You are wearing all black today and mourning. Um, I am. I well, you've seen this since every day of, I think every day I've worked here, I've worn this hoodie where it's always October postseason 2014 of the St. Louis Cardinals. Very comfortable. I never even noticed the 2014 part. I just oh, thought yeah. it was always October. Me too. Actually, I just noticed it too. I didn't either. Oh, there. Oh, I, see, I see it now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's the first time I've noticed that. But yeah, um, I'm still in mourning and I, I don't need to be reminded of it. You know, I've been doing some thinking about your question, by the way, Randy. Which question? Uh, it was the question concerning, you know, what I want to do with this team. Mm-hmm. So if I don't go pitching, uh, and, and I think Greg makes a valid point about shortstop, and, and you went through, uh, Michelle, all the guys that you have. They're also, the team is very right-handed. You know, yeah, you, have, yeah. you have switch hitters in Edmund and, and Carlson, and that's why I I really love to see Seager, because I think he's a, a heck of a player. And if there's a DH... Eh, Kyle Schwarber. Oh, oh yeah. That'd be interesting. Intriguing. Bring him in. 
Why not? Wouldn't Come, that be something? You'll get a big postseason home run for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Put a bit lead off. Let him go. Coming up, get your text into the air. Comfort service text line 65780 for a little game of take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> I got to finish telling a story to uh, Michelle and Dan that I was telling off the air. So Terry Bradshaw had a great Hall of Fame speech, and it was all ad-libbed. It was 10 minutes. It was kind of like Isaac's, just very enthusiastic. And w- one time I was interviewing Terry Bradshaw, and I said, How, how'd you come up with that speech? And he said, well, I hired a consultant to write my speech with me. And... I was in the parade in Canton. They have a parade in the morning. And in those days, they had the parade right to the steps of the Hall of Fame and inducted the guys right after the parade on Saturday afternoon. I like that. That That's cool. (laughs) And so he said, I'm sitting in the parade and I'm thinking about this speech and thinking about reading it. And I'm just not comfortable with it. So I just took it out of my jacket, tore it up and threw it right out on the street during the parade and then went to the Hall of Fame, went up to the podium and ad-libbed his speech. And it was one of the best Hall of Fame speeches ever. And he, he says, the whole thing? Yeah. Wow. And he says at the end, uh, he said, what I wouldn't yeah. give to put my hands under Mike Webster's butt just one more <laughs> time. And Mike Webster's already in the Hall of Fame and uh, goes up and it's snaps awesome. the ball to Bradshaw. That's great. great. And not only that, it's genuinely him. Yeah. Terry Bradshaw has one of the great personalities yeah. in sports. So to have a consultant written speech that he would go up yeah, there, it just, it just it wouldn't no. fit him. It no. wouldn't be Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. All right. It's time for Take It or Leave It. And uh, our friend Seth. Wickersham, and we're going to have him on the show from ESPN as a new book out about the Patriots. Is that dynasty. coming up today? Uh, he's not with us today. Dang it! I wanted. Uh, I love his work. Yeah, he's we'll fantastic. Try to arrange he's it when you're on the show. All yeah. right, then. And according to his new book, Tom Brady was hoping to end his career with the 49ers. The book is called "It's Better to Be Feared," and Brady actually reached out to his buddy Wes Welker after Welker's first year as the receivers coach for the 49ers. According to the book, Brady promised Welker that there would not be a free agency tour, no bidding war, that he would end his career where his love of football began in San Francisco. Welker went to the 49ers and said this, and they reviewed Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo and thought that Jimmy Garoppolo was marginally better than Brady. Now, during the summer, Brady showed up on LeBron's show, and this is what Brady had to say about his free agency. There was a story in free agency. One of the teams, they were interested, and all of a sudden, they weren't interested at the very end. I was sitting there thinking, you're sticking with that mother... Are you serious? Tom probably had no desire to go to that team, but now it's like, why don't you want me? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Sure. When I look back, I'm like, I just don't way I would have went to that team. <laughs> but they said they didn't want me, and I know what that means. I know what that feels like, and I'm going to you up because of that. Take it or leave it. Wow. It was the 49ers. I'm going to take that. Yep. Take I don't think there's sure. any doubt now. I think we can connect A to B. It seems like yeah. a good fit. Although... It, what was the relationship between he and Garoppolo? I, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's his backup for a while. So, you know, usually guys are pretty tight. The, the based on backup. reports, he was not very friendly okay. to Jimmy Garoppolo. And okay. nobody knows Garoppolo's abilities better than Tom Brady. Yeah. Great point. Okay, so I'll take it. 
definitely. And, and you're Tom Brady. You would just assume that every team, if you suggested that you were interested, with the exception of maybe the Chiefs, I mean, what are there? Maybe three teams in the NFL that are pretty set at quarterback. You would think if you're yeah. Tom Brady and you're on the market that any team you showed interest in would likely drop everything they're doing to try to sign you. I understand why he would be offended by that. It is pretty amazing. As now we're a couple years removed from Brady being out of New England is to say, how does he not finish in New England with what's going on? I mean, the way he's played, what's going on with their team now. And the fact is, he was really good and not just a product of Bill Belichick in the system. I mean, he's obviously the best that's ever done it. No doubt. So, um, guys, we've seen the video of Urban Meyer. We've talked a lot about the situation uh, that's happening in Jacksonville. And his wife, Shelly, posted this on Twitter yesterday. Her final post. Her final post, correct. Mm. She said, this will be my last post on Twitter. Crying. Sad emoji. Frankly, I don't need the hate, vitriol, slander, trash that will at me. This has never stopped anyway. We all make mistakes. We are all sinners. If you think you aren't, then cast the first stone. To my wonderful followers, friends, thank you for your love, support, friendship, friendships, and laughs. I will miss this the most. I love you all and wish God's blessings on you. Thank you. Heart emoji. Hashtag faith, family, football, flamingos. P.S. I will be deleting right as I post this, so I will not see the responses. Much love. Take it or leave it. If you're going to get off social media, you don't need to announce your departure. This is not a plane. You do not need to explain that you're leaving. Just leave. One of the great songs, maybe my favorite song in the musical Broadway show Hamilton is You'll Be Back. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I I think the king... It's like Brokeback Mountain. I can't quit you. Right. (laughs) I I think she'll be back. You do. Yeah. But I just hate when people are like, Uh, I can't handle this anymore. I'm going to announce my departure. If you hate social media that much and you can't handle it, just leave. There's a burner account there. Just, But just leave. You don't need to give this whole thing. It's just like people who post on social media. I'm so busy. Life is so crazy. Well, then why are you on social media? If you're so busy, why are you taking the time to tweet about it? Classy, I'll give her this, though. She's probably going through hell, and that's a classy tweet. I will give her that. Yeah. Take her to leave that, huh? Take She's it. wishing I'll God's blessings that. on everyone. Very Absolutely. Classy. Very nice. Um, take it Even or leave the, it. What's the girl's name? I wonder if God, uh, what was the, hold on, I'll find the By the way, and in, in, I know you are up to date, Michelle, on many of these types of things. Okay. The relationships, the, uh, the various things that happen in social media, and uh, you're just up to date. Okay? okay. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Um, so God's blessings on Cayman, Nebraska. I'm not done yet, Randy. <laughs> Cayman, Nebraska. That sounds like a that's, city. That's the girlfriend. C a y m a in Cayman, Nebraska. No, well, that's, that's not. What, that's not anyone's real name. I'm telling you. Okay. I've got a photo of a drunk Urban Meyer with her like leaning on his shoulder, smiling. So that's my question. I have not read much about said uh, dance partner. Lady. Yes. Yes. I, do we know much about her? Or? I, I don't. I think okay. Randy knows a lot really more. It's been really kind of quiet about her, hasn't yes. it? Yes. Well, I think most of the attention has been shining on Urban Meyer oh, and I the situation that. in Jacksonville. Um, but no, surprisingly, and maybe it's because I've been wrapped up in the postmortem with Cardinals baseball, I have not seen a lot about the lady in the video. I have not at all. And usually Randy is all over those kind of things. Well, he well, says it's Cayman, Nebraska. Her name is Cayman, Nebraska, C-A-Y-M-A-N. I to look that up. She that sounds is... like a place you have a soccer tournament. Or you just go to you the know, Cayman Islands. We have a Islands. select tournament at Cayman, yeah. Nebraska this week, and we're staying at the Holiday Inn. Yeah. It's got a great indoor pool. <laughs> That's right. Morning buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Meet you down there before the first game. You we'll get great pool. waffles. Yep. <laughs> That's right. <Yep. laughs> or maybe they took a trip to uh, Nebraska. Well... 
Yeah. Now I'm starting to read some then, things about Cayman, Nebraska. There you go. What? My goodness. <laughs> there you go. So Ooh, that that has been confirmed. We go right down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. So, All right. So they, they took a trip. Maybe it was just a Big Ten game. And All he came right. in Nebraska. Wow. What? See, he and, he and his girlfriend came in Nebraska. <laughs> Text 65780. We've got a couple for you. Emily, let's get a couple. I didn't even get to do my take <laughs> oh, it or leave sorry. it. Go ahead, Dan. What the hell is wrong with you? I was laughing too hard. Because <laughs> I knew what you and that's awful. It flew over other people's heads. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I'm going to get it back on the rails here. Yeah, give us a T-O again. Um, take it or leave it. The CBA for baseball will be in place by its deadline of December 1st. I'm going to leave that. Oh, come yeah. on. No, I'm gonna take just it. like we talked about it yesterday, oh, no, yeah, Dan. I training. think it's it's baseball. They're going to get in their own way. They couldn't read the room during the pandemic. Why do we think that they're all of a sudden going to come together, harmony, and figure something out? I've just seen this movie too many times. I know the ending, and it ends with us being annoyed at baseball. Uh, Randy is trying well, to I'm, move I'm, his I'm right now into Randy's statements, which are awful. And Here, is does is Urban Meyer in this photo? Dan, lean over a little bit. Yes. Sir. Is Urban Meyer inebriated in this photo? I don't. Yes. Thank you. Confirmed. Yeah, I'd, I'd say you had a few Urban, cocktails. Urban hanging out with Cayman. All right. Sorry we couldn't get to your text, but we wasted too much time. But we will get to your text and mic drops next. You are allowed to do one thing. Bill DeWitt gives you one move to make in the offseason. You're so bad. <laughs> what? Go ahead. Tease the next segment. Okay. That's the next segment on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, and Randy. It's 8.08. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We promised we would get to your takes via the Rhino Shield mic drop. And here on 101 ESPN is Danny. The only obvious move to make is to somehow pry Trevor Bauer away from the Dodgers. (laughs) Come on, Mo, Make it happen. Okay, that's one move, and I'm sure that if the Cardinals desired to do so, they could pry Trevor Bauer away from the Dodgers. Trevor Bauer, by the way, went on social media last night. He's starting to kind of come back out. Uh, As everybody knows, he's been very active in social media, and he was saying, okay, y'all, let's uh, have a live whatever on his YouTube channel watching. I think it was the Houston game, maybe, or whichever game it was. It doesn't matter. Um, I, I do have to wonder to the bigger point, and I know the the texture or the the drop in is um, the mic drop is is kind of having fun with it. I, it, it. Let's just say he gets out of this. I still don't know if anybody's going to sign him. You can't. I don't think so. I, I just don't think you take the PR hit. No. And do you really want him around your team? It's a distraction with all the social media. And I, I was going back and looking at some of his stuff and thinking, man, I I don't know if I. Like he when he was making starts, he would have his own social media person like following him out to the bullpen, watching his starts, and they would edit a piece and put it on there. 
do you really want that? I don't. If I'm a no. team, I mean, I, I he's he's a tremendous pitcher. Don't get me wrong, but um, that just it, it's just too much baggage, way too much. And can you imagine a franchise like the Cardinals? No, I can't. Doing no. that, Abs- no. they would never want that PR nightmare. Off of what Dan said, he takes a GoPro with him like everywhere yeah, too. Really, right? Yeah. And his doing uh, the, the, his thing a couple of days ago was him kind of looked like walking down the streets of L.A. or wherever it was in California. You could see palm trees behind him and. You know, doing a video and posting it. From the 860, one move. Seeger lengthens the lineup, which will take pressure off of the pitchers. Lefty power, which takes pressure off of Nolan Gorman. Frees up mode, trade DeYoung, Reyes, and Thompson for the lefty starter that balances the rotation. Uh, another mic drop on 101 ESPN, and this is from Preston. All right, if Bill DeWitt gave me one option for signing or trade, to go with this offseason. I personally would go sign Trevor Story or a shortstop. Trevor Story just because Arenado keep him happy. But I don't think this is our biggest need. I just think it is a need. You saw Sosa. He had like two errors in the wild card game, but he played great. I'm not blaming him. Like the rest of the season, he played great. But if I sign a shortstop, I still think management will go out and sign a starting pitcher in the offseason. But I don't think if I went out and signed a starting pitcher that they would sign a shortstop. So that's why I'm going with shortstop in this scenario. The ideal scenario for the Cardinals, and I don't think it exists as I review potential free agents, if you could get uh, Jeff Supon circa 2004. That kind of guy, yes. That would be the perfect free agent signing. But I don't know that that guy exists. Well, John Lester. Yeah, yeah. uh, uh, Okay, good call. You know, I, I... I think what we found this year, if you look at it, big picture of the Cardinals season, it was when they found guys, and they didn't have to be overpowering, but when they found guys that kept the ball in the ballpark for the most part, but threw strikes with this defense, because it was elite, and in my opinion, it was the best defensive club in baseball. There was nobody even close, and statistically, it ranked that way, but I watched it every day and saw it in person. They were outstanding. They were athletic. Um I I have to remind myself, as much as I would be tempted to go out and throw money at some big bats, and I'd still like to see them get a bat. I think they need to lengthen their lineup. Now, where that comes from, we'll see with the DH and potential shortstop. But the big picture of this team is that, look, I I, want to put my money towards pitching Mm because pitching is going to win. And if I got guys that throw strikes, I'm going to win more times than not. I really believe that. Do you think Lester will be back? It's a great question. I I have been thinking of that, and I would put myself in their shoes to where this team, this organization saw something in me. Mm -hmm. I was working with Yadier Molina. I had success there, and they they incorporated my changeup more. I was able to change the way that my philosophy was as a pitcher. They convinced me to do that. And, oh, by the way, the defense behind me is sensational, and if I'm looking to extend my career, this would be a really – advantageous place to do it. So I think that 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 door would be open. I'm with you. If the number's right and both parties are interested, I would do it. And and it's not like he's going to break the bank. For sure. Let's hear one more from John here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Michelle. Emily, Dan, good morning. Well, good morning to you. The one move that I would make is to trade Gorman and Carlson to the Washington Nationals for Soto. Well, if I was going to get Juan Soto, yeah, I'd trade my roster for him, but uh, that ain't going to happen. They appear, especially with the departures of Scherzer and Turner, to really want to sign Juan Soto. They needed to open up 
payroll room so that they could give Soto a monster contract, who will be, I would think, right there with Fernando Tatis Jr. in terms of overall payout and contract structure. I would say he'd be beyond it. Yeah. Because... Well, 343, is that, that what uh, yes. Tatis got? Yeah. So, yeah, Soto may be... He may be. I think he's beyond that, right? Yeah, he's, he's 21, 22. Yeah, he's probably... And well, he's not playing shortstop. Right. He's not going to get beat up. But is he going to be between Tatis and uh, and Mike Trout? Maybe he does get to 400. I, I think he's Mike Trout-type money. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, because of his age, that, that would mean that I would be more inclined to go towards the trout route and and have that money. And I'll take it a step further. You mentioned, okay, they lost Turner, they lost Scherzer, they lost uh, some of these guys. I mean, go even before that. You lost Bryce Harper. So Mm -hmm. this is your guy. You've said, and Rondon, you've said, I'm built, at least for me, the way from the outside looking in, we've cleared a lot. And we're retooling with these, some of the prospects we got back, certainly from the Dodgers in that deal. I'm building around Juan Soto, and he will not leave here. No. And Can't leave here. I guess we also need to point out that Scott Boris is his agent. So he'll probably, at least initially, Boris will be asking for more than Trout got because Boris always likes to have the biggest contract on the books. That's the thing, too, is that you're dealing with a Boris client. And as we were talking about earlier with Scherzer, would he get $50 million, uh for a season? Well, Part of that equation is he's represented by Scott Boris, mm-hmm. and he seems to get what he wants. Thanks very much for your mic drops and your texts. We're going to get back to more of those at the top of the next hour. But next, Joey Vitale is back, our buddy, as the hockey season starts. He's he, next. He was back last week. Oh, yeah, See? but I wasn't. Oh, oh, that's right. You weren't. Yeah, it was just Dan us. And I, yeah. Yeah. And he pull, talked about having a re- reverse vasectomy last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what he was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he, did he already do that? Yeah. 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 Ouch. He talked uh, about that in Tarasenko. It was a great combo. The, the he first talked time. about how his children wanted to name their new baby Carpet. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. We'll hear more from Joey <laughs> next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our buddy Joe Vitale joins us, as he will every Friday morning, here on Carricker and Smallman. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Randy, what's going on? Boy, the all-star lineup today. Holy smokes, I feel honored. Well, it's it's never an all-star lineup until you're on the air with us. That's correct. Nice setup there, big fella. Appreciate that. So the final preseason game tonight and then a week from tomorrow is the regular season opener for the Blues at Colorado. Uh, Let's start with this. How do you like what you've seen so far in the preseason? I think it's been a great preseason, Randy. I mean, there's there's been some players that have stood out. There are some players that have been on that bubble that maybe haven't pulled through to the expectations of some people. And uh, there's room and there's opportunity out there. And there, there are people that are they're going after the opportunity. I mean, I look at a player like Jake Neighbors, young kid, first round draft pick, just mature beyond his years physically. Uh, you know, I think from a psychological standpoint as well, he spent a couple months with Braden Shen last winter, kind of got him really comfortable and used to the team and all the kind of things like that. So with that being said, I think Jake Neighbors has come in on the scenes very, very strong. 
and he's given Doug Armstrong a lot to think about moving into the final preseason game tomorrow before we get things rolling here next weekend. What's your take on British people adding a U to neighbors in favor? <laughs> Say that one more time, Randy. So like neighbors, N-E-I-G-H-B-O-U-R-S. That's the way they spell it in UK. Or favor, F-A-V-O-U-R. Mm. So, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I think it kind of stands for where they come from. Kind of classy, isn't it? Yeah, like the two S's when you talk about a Swedish player. Um, you know, so to me, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, adding that U is a little elegant, no? I like uh, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I just wanted yeah. to get a take. Yeah, Joey, no, Joey has great takes and everything. Um, Joey, James Neal, what's his role? Well, James is going to be a goal scorer. I mean, that's what he's done uh, his whole career, Michelle. I mean, he's I played with him in Pittsburgh when he got 40. Uh, he's always between that 20 and 30 goals um, a year threshold. And I think that's what you can expect from him. It's been a bit of a drop-off the last couple seasons. I think going to Canada and dealing with COVID, dealing with the bubble, I think that's kind of had a bit of a, a bit of a hiccup in his, in his performance, and rightfully so. Uh, they brought him to camp because he's a goal scorer. Does he still have a little bit of life left at his age? I think he's shown that he does. You know, the hat trick in the first game, and really just continue to build from there. The scoring's kind of, you know, dried up a little bit since that first game. But we're just talking about scoring chances. They're there. I mean, below the dots, he's a strong player. He's heavy. He's strong on pucks. He knows how to take pucks to the net. He's a very deceptive, quick shot, kind of like Vladdy's, where it kind of comes and pops off the stick quickly. So he's going to add. He's going to add a scoring dimension to this team if he if he continues to play well into tonight's game and and maybe he signs here with the St. Louis Blues. And I mean, the good news is with Calgary buying him out. You know, I think he's getting paid $1.9 million for the next four years, and he can do that just by sitting home and doing nothing. So the Blues are in a good spot right now. They can sign him for the league minimum. He'd be extremely happy with that because he's still making his money elsewhere. So you can sign him for $750,000 because uh, the Blues, as we all know, don't have a ton of room uh, as far as the cap is related. So they don't have a ton of wiggle room financially. So you can sign a great goal scorer, potentially 30 goal score for league minimum. So I think you look at it that way, and it could be a very positive thing. Yeah, I bet you can't go anywhere, Joey, and somebody saying, hey, what's going on with Tarasenko? How does he look? Does he break with the team? Do they trade him? So those are my questions to you. Where, where are you right now on uh, Vladimir Tarasenko? You know, right now, uh, Dan, it's just, it really, it's just, we're a stalemate still. I mean, we're kind of on, on a holding pattern. I think we're still waiting. Could something happen before the first game of the year? Maybe. Uh, are they keeping James Neal around for that reason? Because, again, he, he does remind you a lot. He does remind you a lot of Vladdy and the way he performs. So, um, Vladdy's looked great. His spirits have been great. Seeing him on the plane, he's, he's up. He, he's been playing great. and playing with a lot of energy. He's he had that great goal in Chicago, that quickness, that shot, not even looking at the net. I mean, that's what he's going to bring, right? If, uh, from a stand, team standpoint, I think that they're kind of in that kind of holding pattern, though. They're kind of just kind of sitting around waiting. But in the meantime, he looked very good. You know, I, I fans may or may not want to hear this, but I am curious about it. And you being a former player uh, would have a full understanding of this, especially now with your growing family. There's the, the human element of this. And I am curious, did his family stay in town? Did they go back to Russia? What what happened? Because, I mean, you're dealing with a, a young man. Vladimir Tarasenko is a young man. He's been around forever, and he's got a young family. Uh, what 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 goes on with that? How do you how do you handle that situation? I mean, it's tough, you know, and this is this is something. It's, it's a really good question, Dan. I'm glad you're bringing it up because I don't think it's talked about enough, you know, because we always are constantly, you know, talking about performance and is he going to be here? Where is he going to go? Why is, why is this player slipping? Who's hot right now? But but there is such a human element to this. Uh, they did stay in the States over the offseason. They spent their offseason in Miami. 
He trained down there with Ivan Barbashev and a bunch, a bunch of other Russians who really couldn't get back home or were nervous to get back home because and, and, they were nervous about how that would affect the start of the season. So he trained really hard down in Miami. His family was there with him there, and now his family's here with him now. And Vladdy is a he's a very committed family man, and he leans heavily on his family. And I think if you were to ask him, he would say in times like this, he's leaning even heavier on them because with so many unknowns and, and doubts. And, and listen, this is a very conditionally loving sport. Uh, like like a lot of sports, when, when you're at the top, people are loving you. And as soon as you slip and things like this happen, no one wants anyone anything to do with you anymore. And, and it has an impact on, on someone's soul. It has an impact on someone's personality. And, and even coming to the rink every day, I bet it's still a little bit uneasy. So for him to lean on his family is, is, a, is a very, very important thing right now. And I think it is, goes for a lot of players who are kind of dealing with the same things that Vladdy does. And, I mean, the good news is, and I've seen players that are dealing with what Vladdy has dealt with who don't have that family support. You know, I think of a player like Gene Schwartz last year. I mean, his father passes away. We all knew what happened to his sister years ago as well. You know, he didn't have that family support. He wasn't married at the time. It was it was a struggle for Jaden. You know, it, it was something where players like Braden Shen and Ryan O'Reilly, they had to go even more out of their way to make sure that Jaden's being taken care of because there is just this, this whole other side um, to this player, and this is the person. So from, from Vladdy's standpoint, he, he does have a great family at home that's kind of looking after him and, and kind of pushing him through this. And I, I, guys, I think in the end of the day, I think we all know what needs to happen. Both sides know what needs to happen. Uh, it's just a matter of just getting it done. I think once both sides do that, everyone can move on peacefully. Hey, Joey, last thing from me. I really don't consider last year or the year before real hockey seasons. Not to take away from the championships of the Lightning, because I, I'm not saying that those aren't legit. But to me, real hockey includes having full seasons and full arenas during the course of an 82 game season how do you look at that you know i kind of go back and forth on it you know for a while there i kind of was on your side randy where i thought that yeah this doesn't seem like a real year i mean the bubble especially was like "Eh, can we even call this a championship then there was the other side where it was like well you can even make the argument that it was tougher to win i mean i was with jamie ben a couple days ago and there was a great video of him when dallas lost to tampa in their first cup this was in the bubble now uh, when they lost to the first cup in Edmonton, um, Jamie Benn was in the locker room in his full year, I think like an hour and a half or even two hours after after Tampa had won it. I mean, it was a great video. You can probably find it online. But the, the room's empty, and he's still in his, his green palace jersey. I, I don't know. It's just in some ways you, you look at things like that and like what these players from a personality, from a person standpoint, had to go through to, to get to the bubble and win that cup. I don't know. In some ways, maybe it's even tougher in a normal season. Um, but w- whatever you say, however you slice it, I think everyone is just, just really looking forward to this year. I mean, everyone's looking forward to the 82-game season. Hopefully we won't have any hiccups. I mean, the fans already in preseason have been terrific. I'm going to buildings. We were in Minnesota and Dallas. We were at Columbus. Fans are getting in because they're vaccinated and, and they're feeling good about that because now they can take their mask off and watch a hockey game. It doesn't seem like people are enforcing it as much anymore because in order to get into the ranks, you've got to show proof of vaccination, which is a great thing, I think. I think it's going to make the, it's going to make the setup even better for fans. So I, I really am encouraged by that. Players are encouraged by just having having guys back on the plane. I mean, I've never been bugged so much going to the last three preseason games as I was this past week. Guys come up to me just just kind of shooting the breeze, right? How, how are things going? Who got the lineup tonight? How's everything else going? It's just Guys just miss that camaraderie. They miss kind of what it was back in 2019. They're looking to get back to that. So this, this is going to be a fun year. I will tell you, being around these players, the energy is there. The, the, the giddy-up is there. 
They're pumped. They're ready to go to Colorado. There's going to be a big test right out of the gate, but they're ready for it. And this is a great team. I'm telling you right now, this is, this is a team that come April, we're going to be like, whoa, we should have maybe given the Blues a little bit more credit than we did at the beginning of the year because this is a very, very deep hockey club especially from the forward standpoint. Maybe a little help on the D would, would help this team, but this is going to be a good hockey team. They're excited, they're energized, and the fans in St. Louis should too. How are they approaching, uh, you know, when you open up in Colorado, a lot of teams love to go early, very early, to get acclimated to the altitude. Um, is the team going out there maybe for like a bonding trip for a week or something like that, maybe go to – well, wherever they want to go, in, I mean, you know, multiple spots to go in Colorado, and then they're going to stay on the road. So are they going to try to do that in what would now be normal uh, circumstances to enjoy the trip, bond, practice, get used to the altitude, all that kind of stuff? Keenan would have gone to Aspen, by the way. Oh, for sure he would have. <laughs> we're we're going to one-up Keenan just a little bit, and, we're, and they're going to go to Vail. So how about that? Nice. Go even, nice. Are you, do you get to go with that uh, that trip, too? You know what, Dan? I had the option. You know, I, I'm not going to tell you how the conversation went with my wife. Yeah. But, uh, you can kind of take a guess. Uh, oh, so you're going to go out to Vail for four days. Are you covering the team? No. Are you going to be with the team? No. Are you having anything to do with the team? No. But you're still going to Vail for four days? Uh-huh. So it, that, that conversation, it just didn't go well. It just didn't go well. I'm just going to leave it at that. So what I did was I did the mature thing, talked to Chris Gerber about it, and said, hey, let's just go a little bit later. So we're, we're going to bypass it. That's for the team, and that, that's for those guys, and, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to go out a little bit early. Uh, not only get used to the altitude, but I think just being together, being together on on the road. It's been a while since they've been able to, you know, jump in on these restaurants and and just be a team, be together. I mean, some players don't even know a ton about Tory Krug yet. I mean, this is where you get to know everybody. And my, my favorite times as a player was going out on the road and you know splitting splitting wine and, and playing the credit card game. You know, everyone throws a credit card in the hat. Whoever pulls the credit card out, the waiter pulls it out. You pay. Everyone's joking around and complaining about crocodile arms over here who never pays for a meal. I mean, that's that kind of that's that kind of camaraderie. You just you don't always get at the rink because it's such a high stressful environment at the rink. But going out to dinner and doing these trips, which you're gonna be doing next week before the Colorado game, to me that just that, that sets the foundation straight for what championship teams all have. And, and we all see it with every championship team that's ever won here in St. Louis. And that, and that foundation is just strong relationships. You you have to have strong relationships because you know when when, when you're tested and I've been on that bench. Uh, things aren't going to go well in the game. You're going to get down early. Ranson's going to blow one by Bennington. Um, someone's going to get in a fight. McKinnon's going to be flying all over the place. I mean, the live fire is going to be happening on Saturday, and that's what that's what happens in the game. And you're on that bench, and the only thing you can do is look left and look right. And, and, and you have to look to the left and know, this guy's got my back. And you have to look to the right and you know, this guy's got my back. And they got to say the same about you. Right, because that's that's what it is. It's it's a high and in, high intense game. The things go wrong, and it's fast, and you got to make decisions, and you're going to make poor decisions a lot because it's so fast. And then you got to regroup from those poor decisions. But in order to get through all that, that mental capacity, you have to be able to look left, look right, and look behind your coach and know that this guy, this guy, and this guy, they all got my back, and I got their back. So again, the foundation of a good team is strong relationships, and that's what they're going to go out there and do. They're excited. I'm excited for them, and like I said, it's just exciting that uh, we're going to get this thing rolling off and a huge test. Boy, it's going to be a big test. I think, I think Colorado may be the deepest, fullest team in the National Hockey League, so we're going to get punched in the nose right out of the gates. It's going to be good to see how we respond. Joey V, great to hear your voice. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week before the opener. Thank you all. You guys have a great weekend. See you too. See ya. Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, fight. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the 
and Danny Mac here for the fight. Randy Kierker is out in the hallway. Actually, I don't know where he is, but I'm he not is sure in the, where he went. The cone of silence because he can't be around when we talk to Brendan. By the way, um, before we say good morning to Brendan, uh, the six three six says, "I feel a little bad about this, but we have reached the point where I actually uh, actively root <laughs> against RK in the fight." LOL, hopefully today is the day he goes down. How about that? I think, Dan, you might have something to do with that. I think so. I've, I've turned the tide. Yeah, And uh, really the, just the general feeling towards Randy, who's really, actually, as you know, a pretty mean guy. <laughs> really mean. He's a juggernaut, and he rubs it in. Yes, he is. Well, I don't like that part of him. He's actually a wonderful human being, like one of the best, best people I've ever met in my life, True. one of my best friends. True. Uh, I would do anything for the man. However, the fight... I want to see him go down because he, he's gotten too cocky. You know what it is? It's like Muhammad Ali, you know? When yes. You, when you arrive to the fight, you tell everyone you're the best. You make it known that your opponent is not going to beat you. That's what Randy does. But I don't think he should take it as far as he is, and I'm going to talk to him about that. You think the drops are too much? Yeah, I do, you especially now that he's added the music component to the drops. Yeah, I mean, he came in yesterday with a Santana song. Yeah, come I on. I mean, come on. Anyway, Brendan is with us. Good morning, hey, Brendan. Brendan. <laughs> morning, guys. How are we doing? We are doing great. great. Dan, your question, I'm sure that you would like to ask. What do you do for a living, Brendan? <laughs> uh, I work for a lawn care business. Well, uh, hopefully it snows a lot this winter. Maybe some <laughs> people like that or they, maybe they don't. I'm assuming your lawn care goes into helping plow snow in the winter. It does not, actually. We get off in the winter, but uh, it's only in spring, so we need the break. Okay, well, good. Well, thanks for all your work. Yes. And good luck. Good luck to you, Brendan. All right. Question number one. On this day in 2006, the Cardinals beat which team in the NLDS three games to one? Was it the Los Angeles Dodgers, the San Diego Padres, or the New York Mets? Uh, San Diego. Okay. Number two, happy 35th birthday to former Cardinal and World Series champion Adrian Chambers. In a game against the Cubs during the 2011 late season run to the playoffs, pinch runner Chambers stole home. Well, it was not really stealing home. He, he scored on a wild pitch. Who was the wild pitch thrown by? Was it James Russell, Carlos Marmol, or Sean Marshall? Let's go Marmol. Question number three, Brendan. Albert Pujols, of course, won the National League batting title in 2003. He was the last Cardinal to do so. Who was the most recent Cardinal to win the National League batting title before Albert Pujols? Was it Willie McGee, Keith Hernandez, or Lonnie Smith? Can you run through the options? Sure. Who was before Albert Pujols? Who was the most recent Cardinal to win the National League batting title? Is it Willie McGee, Keith Hernandez, or Lonnie Smith? Uh, Lonnie Smith. And uh, only one player is hit for the cycle in postseason history, and it happened on this date, 2018. Who did it? Was it Max Muncie, Christian Yelich, or Brock Holt? Brock Holt. Oh, all right, Brendan. Let's bring Very in well Randy. done. Very, Very well, well done, done, Brendan. We are Thank impressed. Randy, <laughs> Randy's wearing his Stanley Cup champions halves up today, though. He's, uh, he's already dressed like a winner. Just saying. 
I don't know. I know. Sorry, Brendan. Randy, say good morning to Brendan as you get settled in here with your headphones. Brendan, good morning. Thank you very much for listening to uh, the show, and thank you very much for playing in the fight. How are you doing today? I'm good, Randy. Uh, just hoping we don't hear any of your wind music today. Oh, well, we're gonna boy. Have, I guarantee we're going to hear it. <laughs> well, see, that's, see, now that you just led me into what we were talking about before you came in here, you've gotten way <laughs> too cocky and arrogant. Win, win, win. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, you know what? what? That is a bad omen for just, you to yeah, play the wind music before just, you even have taken the fight. Just like kissing the Stanley Cup. Come on, Brendan. Let's do it. Come on, Brendan. Question number one, Randy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dan, cover, those, cover that paper. Yeah, don't be peeking over here, Randy. On, it. on this day in 2006, the Cardinals beat which team in the NLDS three games to one? So the Cardinals played in the National League Division Series, three games to one, in 2006. Correct. And I'm guessing that in game one of that series, Ronnie Belliard may or may not have received a game ball. Oh, boy. But for making a great play in San Diego against the Padres. And then Mike Piazza hit a pop-up, and it was, or uh, Albert hit a pop-up, and it wasn't caught. Yeah. 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 Padres. Yeah. Three games to one. And then Albert hit a home run. Yeah, he did. Happy 35th birthday to Adrian Chambers. Adrian. In a game against the Cubs, you may recall, Randy, (laughs) during the 2011 late season run to the playoffs, he was a pinch runner in that game that we're going to talk about. Uh, He scored on a wild pitch. Who was that uh, pitcher that threw the wild pitch? I believe that pitcher's name, Dan, was Carlos Marmol from the Cubs. Carlos Marmol. I'm going to go with that. Albert Pujols won the National League batting title in 2003. He was the last Cardinal to do so. Mm. Who was the most recent Cardinal to win the National League batting title before Albert Pujols? So he won in 2003? Yes, sir. Well, Willie McGee won the batting title in 1990, and I don't believe anybody, even though Greg Jeffries hit 348. In 1993, I don't think that he won the batting title. So I'm going to go with uh, Willie McGee, who uh, actually won the batting title, even though he He was traded. traded. Yeah, Yeah. I I got it, Randy. You went through the whole thing. (laughs) Uh, Only one player is hit for the cycle in postseason history, and it happened in this state in 2018. Who did it? 2018, a player hit for the cycle. That's correct. So this would have been a member, probably... Of either the Dodgers, the Nationals, the uh, Astros, or whoever they played. 18? That's correct. Red Sox. I'll do the lifeline here, Dan. Max Muncy, Christian Yelich, or Brock Holt? Well, the Brewers thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with Holty here. <sighs> this was though. so close. Was it Brendan or was it Randy? Emily, ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. We even got Emily throwing things. Yeah, Yeah. okay. He guaranteed it, and we heard it. Brendan, you did awesome. No. No. That should go to the listener. It did. That was for the listener. Okay. <laughs> you but said you, Brendan? But you're using it in a diss way. Like, exactly. maybe, maybe one on, day Michelle. you'll get it. Brendan, you did awesome. You got three correct. But Randy just had to pull that last one out of his hat and get the jack. Get your popcorn ready. Yeah, well. <laughs> now, now that one made me laugh. Uh, sorry, Brendan. Go ahead. 
I said you can't win them all against Mega Minus. All right. That's true, but you did a great job. All right. So in 2006, on this day, the Cardinals beat the Padres in the NLDS. I'm kind of a big deal. Three games to one. (laughs) Carlos Marmol threw the wild pitch. Chambers scored. It was on a Saturday afternoon. The place went nuts. The place did go nuts. Now, the most recent Cardinal to win the National League batting title before Albert Pujols, as Randy laid out, was Willie McGee in 1990. 353 batting average. Brock Holt hit for the cycle. <laughs> Play so, all the positions. Randy, why don't you give us his background and his sister's name or whatever. I'll tell you what, Brendan. You didn't win the fight, but you're a winner in my book, Dan's book oh, and Emily's that, book. Now that's hard fo- felt. I'm serious. No, yeah, we love great. Brendan, and yeah. we were cheering for you. So we hope adorable. you have an awesome weekend. All right, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. But Brendan, Thank you, Brendan. Oh, he missed it. Oh, no. Oh, he tried to do a diss and he couldn't get it. Yeah, now you look like a moron. <laughs> do I? Yeah, why isn't your thing working? I don't know, Dan. I, sorry, I potted down the applause okay. because oh. it went for like 45 seconds. Okay, okay. try it again, Randy. Uh, now I don't even know which one I was going to do. <sighs> All right. Okay. Well, we're done. Thanks, you, Brendan. You didn't play Santana today, right? Uh, that's a good one. I did not. Why would you even bring that well, up? Because I, I don't love that one compared to the other two. I just I don't like any of them. I think the all I do is win is so connected you know, to I, Randy. I think if you were... Like the new one doesn't really You need to act me. like you, you've been there and done it. Now, you've been there and done it a lot. Don't Let's be that's honest. True. Randy wins a lot. There. He has been there. But just be gracious in the win and just say, hey, Brendan, have a great day. Appreciate you listening and and for playing what you do. But, uh, man, I was a little worried about that final question. I had to go to Lifeline. Obviously, you know your sports, sir. And thank you for listening. Why don't you just do that? You're last. You know, I was at a meeting last night for St. Louis City (laughs) SC and was talking to some people who listen every morning. Just saying. And these are sports people, and they love the fight. And I was like, you guys should text in. You should play. And We do all soccer questions. But they were like, no, we we don't think we can beat Randy. That think, was the response, and this is what he's done to people. He's I, discouraged them from even participating. I'm going to set it up right now. Why don't we do Monday? Average Joe listener is going to take, and I don't even like saying that because there are no average Joe listeners. Exceptional Joe crowd. listener. Absolutely. Thank you. Why don't we set it up on Monday that one of those folks could uh, hop on, take on Randy, and not uh, here, we'll, uh, not here Monday. That's true. Randy's on vacation. Well, Monday. whenever Randy comes back. And uh, we do a little soccer action. I would love that. That'd be great. Oh, boy, is this great. We will. You need to upgrade those things, seriously. <laughs> All right, let's go with at least the 2000s. We need some quality stuff from the. All right, then. Things. We can find out something. All right. Coming up, Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Oh, one, two, three, four. Delsing joins us now on 101 ESPN. He joins us every Friday, and uh, today we had Greg Amsinger at Jay's Normal Time. So, Jay joining us uh, a little bit later, but it's always good to hear your voice, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I, I can't believe you're a gloater on the fight. I mean, you're the best there is. You gotta, you gotta be better. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, Jay, we appreciate uh, you. Uh, yes. Just, I, I really can't be much better in the fight. So. <laughs> <laughs> you just say, I have to act better, right? 
<laughs> no, I just can't believe you can remember everything, man. I don't know how the hell you do it. Hey, Jay, I have a question for you. I know that the, the golf doesn't want to compete with football, but this is my favorite time of year to play. So even though the golfers, the pro golfers, aren't doing big things this year, is this your favorite time of year to play in St. Louis, too? Oh, yeah, Randy. It's a, it's amazing how empty a lot of the golf courses become in September, October. And it's 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 our I tell people we have 15 minutes of good weather here and this is our 15 minutes. I mean, in the golf courses are usually in, in some of the best shape they've been in. Uh, the heat is kind of uh, settled down. So the greens aren't quite as stressed out. I, I'm amazed at how how open most of the golf courses are, even though the weather's great. And, Jay, do you have a tip for anybody, how, something maybe you put in your golf bag or something you do to adjust your game when the temperatures go down? Oh, my gosh, Michelle, that's, I've never uh, never heard that before. You know, what's interesting is um, with with Tiger coming into golf and so much money being dumped into the game, there are – there is so much more information at our fingertips now than when when I played. And one of the things that's interesting, Michelle, is that when it gets cooler, especially under 80 degrees, this modern-day golf ball doesn't perform nearly as well as it does when it's warmer. Huh. And so one of the things that people can do when it does get cooler is definitely hit more club, take more club, because the ball, it's just a, a fact <laughs> Oh, no. You're breaking up. You're breaking up. You're breaking up, Jay. Oh, no. Can you hear us? I was very interested in that answer, too. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe that's what I can blame my golf game on yesterday. In the fall, yeah. That's right. The, the modern ball just not suited. I really hit the driver well yesterday. Jay, can you hear us now? I can hear you guys. Um, well, we're not hearing you very well. So, but we'll get this fixed. If Emily, if you can just pick it up so that you can hear him. But I wasn't aware of that. I, I wasn't either. With all the technology in the game, I figured they'd make every advancement with weather and clubs and everything else that goes into it. So 80 degrees is the threshold. And yeah. we need to find out from Jay when we get him back right. what the ball is that you need to switch to when it's less than 80 degrees. If there is a ball that you switch to. Like he said, maybe there isn't because you just take an extra club. I was... Uh, I really hit the ball well yesterday off the tee, and my iron game, Randall, was pathetic. Mm. Pathetic yesterday. So I'm gonna I'm gonna blame it on the ball. I played I last. It had week. to be the ball, yeah, not me. I, I played we last week, and I was the opposite. I, I was terrible off the tee, and my irons were okay. I think we just gave everyone in St. Louis a little tip for if their golf game is not doing well. Blame the golf blame ball. Blame the golf yeah. ball and the, and the temperatures. All right, That's how you do it. Jay is back. Is back. So you, you, the last thing that we heard was uh, club up a little bit because the ball, when it's cooler, doesn't fly as far. No, it's true, and I'm sorry about the phone. As soon as I got a new phone, it doesn't work in my home. So, <laughs> uh, it's just crazy. But, yeah, no, so that's one of the things that is, is abs- absolutely true. And um, I was surprised by it, although I, as I look back at some of my career and, and when I played in the summer, I was like, gosh, I, I always hit the ball a little further, especially off the irons in the, in the summertime. So that is definitely a real thing, you guys. You know, you you mentioned Tiger Woods in your previous statement, and I I just have not heard or seen or read a lot about Tiger. So um, when you were playing in the Ascension, did anybody bring his name up uh, in just 
you know, just casual conversation. Hey, what what's going on with Tiger? Or do we, uh, you know, you're having a debate with some of the pros and you're sitting there going, boy, I wonder if he's ever going to play again. Have you heard anything about Tiger Woods? I, I have, Danny. I sent him a couple of bottles of wine and through his agent, Mark Steinberg, um, and I, I just try to stay in touch every couple of months and, and uh, brutal, brutal rehab that he's going through much harder than anything he's ever uh, had to do uh, ever before. But I really believe he's he's going to play again. I don't know That's how awesome. well he's going to play again, but I really do believe he's going to play again. I was actually thinking, and I said this on my show, and I was 100% wrong, which we are most of the time on my show. I thought he might do something at the Ryder Cup and maybe just make some sort of cameo appearance. But it shows me that he's, his rehab isn't as far along as at least I had hoped. And so he, he just sent a bunch of text messages and some videos to the boys. But, guys, the Ryder Cup was amazing to me. I don't know if you guys got to watch it or not. Got to watch some of it. Uh, baseball, obviously, was in full swing. And um, I, I think the, the Ryder Cup, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, and, and Jay, obviously, you, you would have more expertise than us, but I do think it brings in the casual fan, the, the one that may only tune in on a back nine on a Sunday at a normal PGA event. I, I just I find it riveting because everything's on the line and there's so much pride and the crowds are different. The crowds are into it. It's not your normal, you know, kind of sitting back on your hands crowd. That's what makes it so much fun. Absolutely, and you very seldom do you see a, a crowd so united in in one direction or another, and it's the same way for the Euros when we're playing on the European soil. But, guys, what it did was it brought out – we had so many young players step forth, Morikawa, um, Cantlay, um, uh, Shoffley, all these guys. I really think it, it it's a, a signal for uh, a change in the U.S. golf, and I really think you're going to see difference – differences in Ryder Cups in the U.S. you know become more uh more competitive I, I should say you know we we we've pretty much got our asses handed to us over the last 15 years or so and only won a couple of times and these young guys don't have any regard for that history and they're not nervous and they're really good and I gotta say one of the things that was also really impressive was the very first match of the very first day Jordan Spieth was playing with Justin Thomas and one of the yeah, uh, one of the the uh, American fans were really giving it to the um, the Euros, uh, Sergio and Ram, and he got in their face and said, "Listen, we don't want that. We just want you know it's okay to 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 be cheering and to to be raucous and everything, but some of these fans, you guys, get so damn personal and just uh, this, the things they say is just out of bounds. And I thought it was pretty awesome that Spieth got uh, into the fans' face, and he also got into John Caddy's face when they had a little, you know, uh, uh, a little problem about where the ball, where his ball had crossed the margin of the hazard. So it was really spirited, but I thought it was really well done. And obviously the red, white, blue just squashed them. It's great. Hey, Jay, one more thing that intrigued me was that DJ, Dustin Johnson, became kind of the leader of that young group. They all revere him. And in the past, it's always been Tiger and Phil and the the, the older golfers. And now DJ is the old man of that group and apparently really accepted the leadership mantle both on and off the course. 
he does, Randy, and he's such an he's got such an interesting personality and and mental side to him where very little bothers him. When I had Wayne Gretzky on the show, we talked about that, and Wayne said he had never seen an an athlete that was so able to forget things so quickly. You know, and DJ, and it's, you know, whether he's got the mental acuity or not, it works great for him. And the guys really looked up to him, and he went 5-0, and which, I mean, there's only been, I think, three or four people in the history of the Ryder Cup that have ever done that. And, and having a team like Morikawa and, and DJ play together where Dustin drives it just great, and Morikawa's irons are so good, it, it's a formidable team. Jay, it's always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. Who do we have coming up on the show on Sunday? Um, you know what? It's just it's just John Perlis and I talking a little bit about how to winterize your game, how to get ready for the colder weather, and 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 what to you know what to do and how to do it, and and um, and where to go to to get some some lessons to kind of work on your game, maybe get fit for a new set of clubs. I need that. I need that info. So I'll be tuned in on Sunday morning. Thank you so much, Jay. Talk to you soon. Have a great day, guys. You do. Our buddy Jay Delsing joining us talking golf on 101 ESPN. Do you see uh, Kepka and DeChambeau will play in the fifth edition of, uh, what is it? The, the match. match. Yeah, yep. the match. It'll be the day after Thanksgiving in Vegas. I think they're playing at the win. Um, that'll be fun. And only 12 holes. Yeah, I find that interesting. Um I don't want to. I don't. I don't think it's lost its luster. The match. Remember the first one was like Mickelson and Tiger. Yeah, it was it, great. It was. It was really cool. And and they've brought in other uh, sports celebrities to be a part of it. Um, but I think this one may, if you're a golf fan for sure, kind of re up it again. And and you'll be tuned in. We have some more mic drops and some more texts. What you would do if Bill Dewitt gave you one move to make during this Cardinal off season? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, we wanted to hear from you, and we do appreciate hearing from you. Today's big thing, if the Cardinal owner, Bill DeWitt Jr., gave you one move to make this offseason, what would you do? And we have a lot of mic drops, and we do appreciate them. Here is Ben. All right, I have two thoughts on what I would do. Realistically, next season, I'd sign Trevor Story to a one-year deal. Mo is not going to get Correa, Seager, any of these guys that are going to be $30, $40 million over eight plus years it's not going to happen story you can get him on a one-year deal figure out if it's going to work and then sign him to more years not as realistically we all want scherzer we know that but same way he's not going to sign a 40 million dollar a year guy now unrealistically we have about 30 million dollars in payroll i say we make a time machine go back and get mickey mantle that is Mm. the play because go back and get like the 1954 Mickey Mantle and DH him so he doesn't mess up his knees. Well, if you're going to do that, you know, um, Ted Williams was frozen, so you might as well get him. Oh, yeah. Bet's cold now. (laughs) Do you have another mic drop, Emily? Get Randy off of this track, The Splendid Winter. I... 
Brutal. So um, what Ben was saying about Trevor Story, I don't know if a one-year deal is realistic, but I do wonder if based on the market, you could get him at a significantly less price than some of the other shortstop out there, considering he does want to leave Colorado. We know he and Nolan Arenado are very close. He's kind of in the same situation as Nolan, that he wants to go to a place where he feels like he can win. I think it would be a great addition to not only the team from a talent perspective, but likely from a clubhouse perspective uh, for Nolan Arenado to be very happy to have his buddy there. But I wonder from a, if we're being realistic about this from a cost perspective, if he would be more favorable from the Cardinals for, for the Cardinals. I'm not sure because from what I've read and heard, the Yankees of all the shortstops like story the best too. Hmm. And if they want a guy and if money is the deciding factor, they're going to get the guy, right? Sure. I can't imagine that Javi Baez, I think of, of the group of shortstops, he's bottom of the list. Sure. So, yeah. You're looking at Story, Seager, possibility for the Yankees. Correa, I don't think he wants to go to New York. I think he'd probably play, rather play in like a warmer climb or in stay in Houston. But I, I, to me, the perfect fit for Correa is to reunite with his former manager in Detroit. And I think that is going to be a big story. That makes sense. Is um, what happens with the Tigers this offseason. Reading the tea leaves, they have two or three of the top prospects ready to graduate to Major League Baseball. And if you look at how they played this year, they surpassed all expectations. They did. And they are willing to spend money when they feel like it's time to, to go out and get that next player to or two or three to put them over the top. Um, they'll go out and do it, and they need a shortstop. And to me, that would be the fit, is to bring Correa, reunite him uh, with his manager that he had in Houston, and they are very close to winning. And the, and the second half of the season, guys, they were one of the better teams in baseball, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. saw them up close in interleague play. That was a pretty good team. Yeah, They were a lot better than what you thought. I mean, you walked into those series, and you're thinking, okay, um, you know, you you could sweep this series. It's Detroit. They're they're way down. That was not the case. They were a good team. So, I I really think that that's the fit for them. And in terms of the Cardinals, I would love to see Corey Seager, mm-hmm. uh, left-handed bat. I talked about Schwarber as maybe a DH to lengthen your lineup. And I I think I. I we're all in agreement here, maybe, that we're not going to see the $250 million player come to St. Louis. Yeah. It just hasn't been the track record under the DeWitts, and they've developed players, and they haven't had to do that. But again, pitching is something I'm looking at, but i got to lengthen my lineup with somebody. Here is Bill. If I could make one move for the Cardinals this offseason, it wouldn't be a free agent signing. Trade Juan Yepes, Nick Plummer, and Dakota Hudson to Cleveland for Shane Bieber. Get the Beebs. Emily would love that. That's her guy. Not for me. Why? I, I think, you know, when you look at the money that he's going to command um, and the fact that he was injury prone this year, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And I, I I feel comfortable with Liberator coming through. I like the, the, the fact that Alex Reyes probably goes in my rotation. You're looking at maybe Jordan Hicks going in your rotation. You have Michaelis under contract. If I'm going to dedicate money to a pitcher and he's healthy, it's going to be Jack Flaherty. And that's the direction I would go without having to give up talent. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give up talent. Money is one thing, and you know, money comes and goes. Uh, you can see that. But giving up talent, I don't like doing that. Here's our next Ryan O'Shield mic drop. This is Michael. I'm a bit torn over which shortstop I would rather the Cardinals go get. We need a left-handed bat. 
but Corey Seager has some injury history, and he's not as good of a defender as some of the other shortstops out there. Carlos Correa gets hurt too much. Trevor Story plays great defense as well, but he's a right-handed bat. We probably need a left-handed bat. Same goes for Marcus Simeon, but I'm wondering if Simeon might uh, might sign for less money than some of those other guys, so I'm wondering if Simeon might be the guy we actually need to go after. But either way, we need to go get a big shortstop. I think that's interesting because the stipulations put on this were the checkbook is open. You can go out and get whoever you want. But I think we're so conditioned as Cardinals fans to think think through the lens of the Cardinals and to think from a rational standpoint of what actually might be a fit uh, that I think that's kind of what we're seeing in some of the responses. Isn't the dream scenario, but more likely the realistic right. one. That uh, uh, mic drop is a really good one in the on the Marcus Simeon thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when And he can play second. He can play short. Uh, had a fabulous year this season with Toronto. He's 31, and um, that is going to, I would imagine, if you're in that market for shortstops, that is going to take some of those teams and say, eh, if I'm going to throw out that kind of money, I'm not going to do it with a 31-year-old. I would do it maybe with a guy in his mid to late 20s, you know, the Correas of the world, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the direction the Cardinals would fall. You know, it's... Johnny Peralta got what was it, uh, Randy? I know you fifty-two over four. It was four, right? Yeah, yeah. And and maybe at that time that was a big deal. And maybe that's the kind of guy they say we've seen enough, and we will give him that four-year deal, and maybe overpay for the four years. But I'm not locked into six. I'm not locked into eight. Some of these guys are getting ten, eleven. Hell, one of them got thirteen. You don't have to do that. Maybe that's the direction the Cardinals would go. Let's get one more mic drop here on 101 ESPN. If you're Mo, I do not think right now they go towards a big-time shortstop. That might surprise you. That might be something, wow. Some, why say that? I say this This why. Would you rather go Team A, big-time shortstop, you put, uh, then you put Gorman, maybe sign Pujols at DH, Maybe go a day off type guy at the age next year. But now, since you signed a big long term deal and you have those three big deals there, in two years, Jack Flaherty's gone. He's gone. You just can't afford him now. And now you have all this resources put in, in the infield. You won't be able to sign anyone. Or Team B, which is the way I see it. You sign JD Martinez, Nelson Cruz. One to three year guys making fifteen to twenty million, and then you piece together shortstop like I think they will. Delvin Perez is another name you can put in there. Mendoza, stuff like that. Then you also have Sosa, and you also have the Young, of course. So that's four guys potentially right there, or a veteran on a cheap deal, like a, a one year, two, five million dollar guy. Or and now you can afford Jack Flaherty before his contract's up. You know, I mentioned it yesterday, and and I, I think that we all live in the moment, and you say, go out and get this guy, go out and get this guy, and it makes sense. And it it does make sense to, to throw out money to some of these players we're talking about. However, when you're sitting in Gersh's seat and Mo's seat, you're saying, now, wait a minute, we have to go to, let's say, a third or a fourth year with player X. And I have Nolan Gorman coming, who I think can be a cost-controlled, very good player and put up those numbers, if not better. And he's a left-handed bat that can play third. He can play second. 
I would imagine maybe a little outfield. I don't know that, but I mean, they primarily played him at second base. He's an infielder, but that's that's something to think about. And then you have Jordan Walker coming, so that's that's part of the equation too is creating the opportunity for these players and from a budgetary standpoint where you've created flexibility by having young cost-controlled players to where you don't have to go out and do that and that's something to think about moving forward now those players don't play shortstop i get it but that's something to think about in terms of if you're looking at a dh or some of these other players of how much am i going to have to spend to bring them there how long am i going to have to keep them when i have these guys that are cost controlled that i think are going to be very productive players very productive offensive players that's dan michelle is here to think about i'm randy Mm -hmm. and we've got more coming up for you a little nfl news plus you're killing me smalls on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn And before we get to your killing me smalls, we did get one text earlier from the 314, one move that they would make. And this is somebody that's still bitter, I guess, two yeah. days later. I, If I could make one move, I would cut Alex Reyes. Oh. That's what the texture from the 314 says. Wow. Yeah, so a little bitterness there. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, I, I know we're upset, but I think we, we look at the future. We look at the season in totality. You know... We all can have our frustrations with the move with Alex Reyes, whether you agreed with it or not. But you cannot, in my opinion, say that he is not a uber-talented pitcher. Now, he had his issues at the back end of games. There, there's something there that something happened, whether it was a lack of the amount of innings that he had. Maybe it was a mental grind of the full season, and he's a closer for the first time in his career. And yes, there were some bad moments. I ain't giving that guy up. No. No. <laughs> no. And if you put him on the market, there's 30 teams in Major League Baseball. The other 29 would be at your doorstep asking to trade for him. Yeah. And, and he, was the second half poor at times? Of course it was. Was the home run the other night tough to watch? Yep. But you know what? He goes back in your rotation potentially next year and cuts his walks down, and he becomes a very, very good option in your rotation. I mean, th- was the number one prospect in baseball and at also one point. this is his first full season right yes. first yeah. full season healthy there's there's going to be a curve here some calibration for Michelle, a player you, like that i think you could go back and i i did this a couple weeks ago and my numbers are not going to be right but the premise is going to be i think you'll understand i think this year the amount of innings that he threw pitches that he threw like added up to the last four years combined of what he had you know wow. so i mean it it, it caught up with him there's Big no time. question you're killing me, Smalls. All right, guys, a couple stories about the Cardinals-Dodgers and the post-game celebration that we didn't get to yesterday. Did you guys Uh-oh. see the video of Walker Bueller taking be- the twist? It was to twist off beer can, and he was t- peeling it off with his teeth. Did you see the video no, of that? Well, it got a lot of play online, obviously, because people were like, excuse me, Walker, this is a twist, twist off. Twist off, right, I not, saw it. You do not need to do this. Well, he was defending himself, and the way that he went about this, he tweeted, and I love his Twitter handle, at Bueller's Day Off. He said, I open twists off with my teeth because I choose to. It's fun, and it makes me feel cool. If you think it's weird because you want to use a bottle opener, then you haven't drank enough beers in your life. And he's like, what, 24, 25 years old? Yeah. And went to college. 
Okay. So he had some college fun, I'm sure. Um, but I love that response. It makes me feel cool, so I want to yeah, do it. Sure, do it. You do you. Um, I I liked the Max Scherzer shirtless interviews. That oh. was interesting. Well, and, uh, it's funny you mentioned that, Dan, because oh, we have that oh, coming okay. up here. Randy, Good. did you have something else to add? No. All right. You're killing me, Smalls. Yeah, Kalong told me a couple days ago. I, you got to get rid of this echo. <laughs> can't talk. I'm drunk. Whatever. <laughs> they were having a good time, but Max Scherzer rolls up to the post-game interview. There's an echo in his ear. And that he, was Max Scherzer. He, yeah, that was Max Scherzer, shirtless, having a great time. Then he's like, I'm drunk. Whatever. <laughs> they were partying. Perfect. Dan, have you ever run across a drunk player in a clubhouse during a celebration? Well, the, there was the uh, the famous interview that I did have. It's interesting you would bring that up, Randy. I, uh, I think it was the 2000 celebration, and that was a celebration. And those guys got after it, man. Oh, yeah. They really got after it because it, it, they were, it, the, the buildup of that season was pretty high. I mean, you went out and got Edmonds, Vina, Veers, uh, Renteria was now in the fold. Yeah, you got Daryl Kyle. And so it was a team that it took a little bit to get to going, get going, come together. And then they just exploded and they, and they were really good. And I remember that celebration going out into the streets of St. Louis. Wow. Like, like guys were partying with the fans, and it, it was fun. But to your question, Randy, I, I did uh, have an interview with Garrett Stevenson, um, <laughs> who was not going to appear in that game that they clinched. So I think his celebration may have started a little earlier than others mm. in the clubhouse <laughs> during the game. And, um, and so I say, hey, Garrett, and um, I... Uh, used to, I played a lot of golf with Garrett. We okay. would go on the on the road and play a lot of golf. So I was very tight with him. And I said, "Hey, come on, oh, you know, do the interview." And so he comes over and, and he said, "You know, Dan, we're really good. We got a great team. We got a great manager, and we got a great bleeping catcher." And I, you know, kind of just turned pale and I just I said, "Okay, thank you." Uh, good job, uh, Garrett, and enjoy the celebration. Obviously, you are. And I threw it up to Joe Buck, and Joe was on the game that night, and I was doing the sidelines in the pregame, and Joe Buck said, uh, well, thank goodness we're on cable. Yes. And that was his <laughs> line, and we just kept on going. All right, who do you got now, Dan? I said, well, I'm here with Tony LaRusso, or whatever sure. it was. You know, it, it was interesting. You're always looking for a sound bite. Yeah, well, we got it, and it lives on to today. It was you're interesting. You're killing me, Smalls. And I can't imagine in that moment, you're like, okay, well, that we're done here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank uh, you. And, well, it was kind of funny. And then I put my mic down and I said, and I guess you could hear me. I go, Garrett, we're live. We're on live TV, something like that. And he goes, we're live? <laughs> and I, yes. <laughs> that's amazing. I wonder yeah. if that's on YouTube. I need to go back and find that. I think it is. Somebody sent it to me the other day. And, um, you can just faintly hear it because I dropped the mic. I go, okay, that's enough. And uh, and he's like, we're live? Yeah, we're live. Well, but might, that happens. It's fun. You're right. Well, you might have been done with that interview, but Urban Meyer, not done right mm. now in Jacksonville. We, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, but I just came across the story. The young woman, Randy, what was her name again? The young woman in the video? Oh, that would be Cayman, uh, Nebraska. Cayman, Nebraska. She's 24 years that old. That really is her name. If you're out there wondering, is that her name? No, that it's is her like name. Cayman Island. Yeah, that's right. her government name. That is her name. So she's 24 and her mother 
was interviewed. This is actually from USA Today. And her mother said that after the video came out of her with Urban Meyer at Urban Shop House in Columbus, that she's really worried about her daughter's well-being. She's saying she can't go anywhere. It's ruining That's her life. That's what I was wondering about earlier. Yeah, and the mom said she's worried about her emotional status right now because... Uh, came and just thought she was having a fun night out hanging out with Urban at Urban's Chop House and the next thing you know she's part of this big firestorm and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are Urban Meyer supporters that are probably giving her a hard time and people don't think about that but her, her mother's saying she's worried about her well-being. Aww. Uh, oh, you need to be a, m- a little bit more sympathetic. Uh, no, I am sympathetic to the mom. Well, she's worried. The mother is worried that her daughter might get fired from her job because of this. And what does she just, do for a living? She just do we bought know? a house. Yes. So um, let's see. The company that she works for, I believe, is called New Horizon Media Group. It's a marketing company. Okay. And that's how she met Urban. Working back in June, they had a uh, shoot together at the restaurant, apparently. Boy, you know a lot about the background you, well, on this. I studied my came in Nebraska. No. Dan. And Urban. They have a lot okay. of history at Urban's Shop House. Yeah, they do. Well, there's some things I so, can say, but you're killing me, Smalls, I, uh, and go to the no, next I one. I just, no, I... I maybe the, maybe the little, Maybe the young woman. How old is she? 24. She probably should know the difference now between right and wrong, right? Well, I think, you think she's Urban not Shel- married. She's you th- not you think Urban told her yet? that Shelly doesn't exist? I don't know what he Poor told Shelley. her. But they forced Shelly to get off Twitter, for gosh sakes. That's true. Yeah, that upset you. You're a big follower of uh, Shelly Shelley Shelley, Meyer. Shelly Meyer, yeah. She said that everyone's a sinner. We're all sinners. And yep. if you're not, cast the first stone. I do feel bad for the young lady. I'm serious. I am too. Because now it's a viral sensation. You're out there and people are not happy with you. And, and there's a video of yeah. Urban Meyer with his hand and places you know that's it's not just her dancing having a good time so you think as uh, as she was standing there video with his hands do you think she was thinking oh this is urban sprawl and as he thank you emily nice work through life you know and he's 57 years old he's starting to feel it probably physically he's had the headaches and everything yeah he has a little urban decay there Hmm. Just saying. Should we go to another football story? I don't think so. Uh, Coming up, we're going to have the crossover at 945. We have had great visits today. You can always go back to the 101 ESPN website if you missed it. We had great Am Singer, uh, Joey Vitale, breaking down the blues and the Tarasenko situation. If there is Urban Delsing was on talking about the PGA. It was really good stuff. And the, the Chop House is like outside of downtown Columbus. A little suburban. Suburban. S-U-B-U-R-B-A-N. <laughs> suburban. Yeah. Anything else before we move on, Randy, that you'd oh, like no, to get I'm, out there? I'm good. I'm, I, uh, text line 65780. I can't think of any more, and I know we aren't going to read any of these if you do text in. So I just... How about I, this one from the 636? This is building up to be an urban legend. <laughs> I, f- I, I actually do feel badly for the young lady. I, I mean, I really it goes viral, mm-hmm. and... Who knows if anything happened? It just there was some dancing or whatever from looking at. Would you agree on the the video that you saw? There's dancing and yes. his hands were on her mm-hmm. hips or whatever. And well, uh, multiple places. Well, but yes, whatever. the hips were, were, so, were one place. Yes, but I, I do. Uh, yeah, she. You're not going to outrun that one. That's going to be tough. That's true. Yeah. And now this is what. 
you're going to be known for. As you said, you cannot run it. This is what you're known for, for better or worse, probably forever. Think about from that's, a football. Oh, that's I, really hard. Now I'm going to turn the page and say, okay, and I'm being serious here. How do you go, if you're Urban Meyer, you're 0-4, your team has been horrible, your franchise has Trevor Lawrence as the face of the franchise, that's the guy you're, you're looking to carry you to the next championship if you get there. And you don't get on the plane back with the team. That's, I mean, these guys sleep in their offices when they come back to look at film and you're gone for four days. What? Like, how, how do you then say to your players, hey, give me give me what you got. I need the best out of you. I'm with you. I mean, that's that doesn't fly, man. And these are guys that probably weren't sold on you anyway. Yeah. And then you're not on the team plane home after a loss. Not a very good urban design. Probably not. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, Russell Wilson last night left the Seahawks 26-17 loss against the Rams in the fourth quarter. We all saw that finger injury. Didn't look great. He was mm-hmm. diagnosed with a bad... Urban had one of those too, by the way. What? A finger injury. Oh, Randy. Randy. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Russell Wilson diagnosed with a badly sprained finger, according to his head coach, Pete Carroll. Now, Russell Wilson has never missed a game in his NFL career, so his streak of 149 consecutive starts in jeopardy. So it's his throwing hand. Yeah. Yes. Middle finger. All right. (laughs) Yes, that one, Dan. Okay. (laughs) The middle finger. Yes. All due respect to Geno Smith's performance last night. Mm -hmm. They cannot win without Russell Wilson. No, you definitely cannot. Uh, And that's, I wonder how long a sprained finger takes to heal fully. And I can't imagine gripping a football that that's comfortable or something that you can avoid. And by the way, their defense on pace to be the worst defense in the history of the league. So you throw together Russell Wilson with a bad defense. They're the worst team in that division right now. Rams. Yeah. Cardinals. Niners. As bad as the Niners are. Cardinals look great. Yeah. I was reading a thing uh, late last night that said Russell Wilson again is going to leave uh, Seattle. Like he, he, there was somebody associated with him that knew him well, maybe a former teammate, still good friends, and said he wants out. And this is just going to keep that momentum going. Who are the four teams he wanted to go to last year? He wanted he, Chicago has a yeah. Here, let me look. Dallas has Dak. Vegas has Carr, who's the MVP right now. I don't remember who the fourth team was. Yeah, let's see. But he sounds to me like a giant, a New York okay, giant. Okay, here is... That makes sense. Here are the four teams per Adam Schefter. Russell Wilson has told the Seahawks he wants to play in Seattle, but if a trade <laughs> were considered, the only teams he would go to are the Bears, the Raiders, the Cowboys, and the Saints. Saints, Saints would make sense. Yeah, Saints would make sense, too. Yeah. But to your point with his... Wife's background in entertainment. Sierra. Uh, New York would make sense. Mm-hmm. Go to a big market like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make some sense. She was at that uh, Metropolitan. What's the Met, the Met Gala? Met Gala, yeah. Where? 35 grand a plate, I believe. Oh, it's expensive. Better been, been good steak, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, you're not there for the steak. I don't know if you this, Randy. It was 35 grand a plate? I think it was. Something yeah, like it was either 25 expensive. or 35 grand a plate. I'm going for the food. Well, I know you would go for the food, but others go there understanding that they're there to support something that they believe in the cause. How about this text from the uh, 636? Urban blight is ruining Nebraska's reputation. Mm. Urban blight. By the way, confirmed, Dan, correct, 35 grand for a, 35 sing- grand. For a single ticket at the Met Gala. Yikes. Yikes. Don't underestimate the value of urban outfitters. Get a little PR help for urban. 
That's a text from the... 302 uh, said, I just spit coffee all over my car. Randy owes me a car cleaning. No, <laughs> he's not funny. Is Rick Pitino an urban legend, too? That came oh. in. He was for 15 seconds. <laughs> True. Coming up later, I'll be with BK, and we're going to talk uh, about the playoffs. Great games last night. That Randy Rosarena is something. I have one more story for you, Dan. I can come in and rescue you. BK and Ferrario, and I think there's a Blues game tonight. You're killing me, Small. So speaking of players that want out of their current situations, we know Aaron Rodgers looking to get out of Green Bay after this season. And he was asked about Mike Tomlin, and this got a lot of people talking. So he said, ask me a question about Mike Tomlin. I'm going to tell you how I feel about Mike Tomlin. If you want to take that and run with it and say I'm angling for some sort of next team or something, I'm not. I'm just answering a question about my respect for Mike and what he's accomplished in the league. That statement in response to this one that got a lot of people talking. Aaron Rodgers said that he's a big Mike Tomlin fan. He has been for a long time. I like the way that he speaks about his team. I like the way that he goes about his business. I like his confidence. I've heard nothing but good things from guys that have played there. I like Mike Tomlin. And so Aaron Rodgers saying, you guys are reading into this. I'm just speaking the truth. Yeah, he, we all know he's going to join Beeflo, another coach that he respects greatly. Who's Beeflo? Brian Flores. Uh, Brian Flores, oh. the coach of our Dolphins. Our coach. All right. You think he's going to play for Beeflo? Oh, yeah. In the MIA? Yeah. I don't know. I think Denver yeah. still seems. Yeah. I got a line on a, uh, on a Dolphins golf bag yesterday. How much? Beeflo. We'll see. Oh, nice. But, uh, yeah, that might be riding around in a cart near you. <laughs> We're so invested. But I, I didn't Beeflo. really take a lot from that comment on no. Mike Tomlin. I, I think it's amazing that Aaron Rodgers went on to explain this, but anytime he compliments any other organization mm-hmm. or any player or any coach, everyone's going to jump to conclusions that that's where he wants to go or where he wants to land. I would imagine that most people in the league, whether you're a player or a coach, uh, whatever uh, – Whatever position you occupy, you're going to have respect for someone like Mike Tomlin. Exactly. And this text line is dangerous, yeah. by the way. <laughs> I, I would yes. think that most players would like to play for Mike Tomlin, but not necessarily in Pittsburgh. If Mike Tomlin was in Vegas or L.A. or Miami, it would be different. But like Rogers said, it's hard for him to get players to come to Green Bay. I would not think that Pittsburgh is an awful lot different. And it's a town that we all love, but it's not a place where NFL players are angling to go play. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. That great, is great your job, Michelle. Smalls. Thanks for bringing up the Urban Meyer situation well, with I Randy. I was just thinking that we have talked about it from Urban's perspective, from the Jaguars' perspective, from his wife Shelly's perspective. No one is worried about came in Nebraska and how this may have affected her. I was early on. I know. I know. But her mother spoke out, and I just thought it was only fair that we give her some airtime, too. This is her 15 minutes of fame. She was a, uh, a big piece of this story. So mm-hmm. just wanted to share Cayman's perspective. I know where Randy's going with that, too. Don't even say it. What? No. Nope. No, sir. All right. Nope. Just moving right along. Listen, I'm sure there's many a person listening that's had a fun time at a saloon in their lifetime in a college town. and With the head coach of the football I'm team. I'm just saying, uh, those videos of you enjoying your time at said saloon are not all over the internet, and everyone's not dissecting them for a, a full week now. That has, Zoo's to, got, uh, has to be a pretty embarrassing North moment. North Texas tomorrow. Yeah. It should be a good matchup. Homecoming, I believe. M-I-Z? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Coming up, we're going to cross things over with Danny Mac as we head down the stretch of Carriker Smallman and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
Thursday, the Fast Lane, October 14th, is going to be out at Scott Air Force Base for Military Appreciation uh, live broadcast from 2 to 6. For service members, their families, and anyone currently at Scott Air Force Base, it's a special Fast Lane Military Appreciation live broadcast from 2 to 6 at Scott Air Force Base with the Fast Lane, brought to you by Budweiser and Air Comfort Service Heating and Cooling. couple of National League games today here uh, as we get started with the National League, Braves and Brewers are at 3.30, and then the Dodgers and Giants tonight at 8.30. I haven't had a chance to really touch on that, but I'm interested to see what the Brewers do with the way they played against the Cardinals down the stretch. We all loved their pitching, still love their pitching, but I find that to be an intriguing series now. Well, I, I am too. I, I'll be watching that Brewers series closely because of their close association with the Cardinals in the Central. I, I find the Braves to be a really interesting team. You know, they didn't get an inning from Mike Soroka this year. He blew out his Achilles. He would have been either their one or their two. Um, they lose Ronald Acuna Jr., who's an MVP candidate. Marcelo Zuna breaks his finger, then has the domestic uh, violence situation where he's out. And they remade their entire outfield, and still they were able to get into it. So they're throwing... And Max Fried, by the way, has been awesome in the second half. Um, he actually, I think, has been statistically either one or two of the best pitchers in baseball. So they've got Charlie Morton, they've got Max Fried, you got Anderson. So I think one through six innings, they're, they're, they're going to be okay. And it's a really good lineup. Um, the question will be, what do they do in their bullpen? Will Smith mm-hmm. gives up a ton of home runs. Their bullpen has been uh, a rough spot all year. So I think if the Brewers can get into the bullpen, they win that series in advance. Uh, and then w- looking at the Dodgers and the Giants, I mean, they have two teams with 100-plus wins mm-hmm. facing off and the rivalry that's one of the best in sports. That's going to be a lot of intrigue and a lot of fun. And by the way, the two American League series also played today. In order, the games are White Sox-Astros, Braves-Brewers, Red Sox-Rays, and then the late game tonight, Dodgers and Giants. It's like baseball March Madness. I was just going to say, if you're a baseball fan, all of these matchups are intriguing in one way or another, and you can settle in this afternoon and watch baseball until you go to bed. How yes. awesome is that? But I love that it's Dodgers Giants as the nightcap because of all of these series, at least for me, that's the one that holds the the most intrigue and the most storylines. I, I, I know the Giants finished ahead of the Dodgers. I guess I should be more of a believer, but I just don't see how you beat the Dodgers. But the Car- I don't. But the Cardinals had them on the ropes. They had their chances to beat them, and a lot of people didn't think the Cardinals would be there. I, I looked at it, though, it, it different, though, from a series as opposed to one game mean you know you throw everything at the at the wall see what sticks kind of thing where in a one gamer anything can happen so we've said that umpteen times um I, I just don't know what they're pitching how you get by Urias and um Bueller and Scherzer's gonna pitch in the series and their bullpen as we saw shut down the Cardinals we had a first up close look at that and Again, the Giants are really good. Don't get me wrong. You don't win the division over the the Dodgers without being an exceptional club, and they're a matchups team. So if they w- Dodgers want to throw a lefty, they'll come with a bunch of righties and vice versa. And I get it. That's how they win games. But it's just really hard to pick against the Dodgers for me. And arguably the best Giants hitter this year, Brandon Belt, is out with an injury yes. suffered late in the season. They can pitch Logan Webb, who goes in game one tonight at Oracle Park is 6-0 with a 1.96. He's been great at home, but 
I really believe it's going to be hard for the Giants to overcome the loss. And granted, the Dodgers have to over- overcome the loss of Muncie, too. I think it's more difficult for the Giants to overcome the loss of Belt than the Dodgers to overcome the loss of Muncie. And that's what I mean. I think the depth, and the Giants are very deep because of how they do matchups, but. You know, they're able to go with uh, the Dodgers are able to, you know, bring off Albert Pujols against a lefty and he almost hits a home run. Yeah. You know, I, it's just they're so deep and their pitching is so good and the bullpen is so good. I don't I don't think their bullpen of the Dodgers gets enough credit. They're That's great. a really good. Well, bullpen. those last three innings were covered by three guys in uh, Knable and then uh, Trinan. Trinan and Jansen. Three guys that have each had 38 or more saves in a season in the last four years. Agreed. Pretty so, good. Pretty deep. What do you have coming up on the Danny Mac Show featuring BK? Uh, BK will be out at Centene, so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about what's going on hockey-wise, but uh, dive into these matchups today. We always have a special guest, as you all know, guys. Mark Feinsand will be our guest. He's a baseball insider. You probably see him on MLB Network all the time. Great writer, too. So he'll be our guest, and looking forward to that. All right. Great job, Danny. Great job by Emily Butcher, our producer engineer. Thank you. Thank you. And Michelle. Thanks. Great job as always. Thanks, Randy. Uh, enjoy your time off. I'm going to take some. I'm going to take next week off, but then I'll come back fully refreshed for the last couple of weeks of October. Love it. It's going to be awesome. So enjoy your time off, Randall. I, I will be uh, hitting a few. And okay. Yeah. Just. Doing fun stuff around St. Louis in this time of year. It's you know what's crazy? I, I have this new iPhone. Uh-huh. It's the iPhone 41.27, and it just came out, and it takes uh, incoming calls. And with all the golf you've been playing, I, I just have not received an incoming call from you. Okay, oh. Danny, well, let me check my... Uh Hold on here, just very quickly. I don't know why that has not so happened. You know, definitely I, the phone's I enjoy playing so golf. I would have loved play to have played Monday. with you, but you know, it didn't. Uh, Monday didn't is ring me up. Columbus Day and Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, I think we could do either Tuesday afternoon, mm-hmm. or we probably could settle this off the air too, Randall. I'm just trying to figure it out for you. All right, with my then. iPhone 71. You know, if you really wanted to do something for charity, you guys are talking about charities. Yeah, golf tournament Monday. I my golf tournament Monday, but maybe what we should do is get a couple of listeners that say, "Yeah, we'll donate a thousand dollars and we'll go play uh, golf with Randy and Dan. We'll we'll pick a choice uh, th- and go have some lunch." Okay, that's done. We'll all do right. it. We'll do it on the text line. We'll do it. All right, buddy. Uh, all right, and Michelle too. Michelle, um, I'll yeah. join you for the lunch portion. I'm just okay. not a very good golfer. I wouldn't want to hold you guys we back. Either. I could drive hey. the cart and bring the yeah. laps. Yeah. We want to thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. That was the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. 
And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.